Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Over the Cap podcast. It is March 17th, 2023. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. This is Jason Fitzgerald. You can find me on Twitter at Jason underscore OTC, uh, or you can email me, Jason, at overthecap.com. I'm joined once again this week by my buddy, Nelly. Nelly, anything? Nothing from Nelly once again. Nelly is the bunny. Uh, so Nelly has her treats, so Nelly should be pretty happy, I would think, during the course of recording. Uh, getting this started a little bit later than I thought. My son was once again doing Fortnite and whatnot, so uh, he was busy with all that kind of stuff. So that uh, that kind of put the podcast on the back burner, which ended up being a good thing because I got to watch FDU, and that was a terrific kind of game. So yeah, it all kind of works out in the long run, and uh, no gym plans in the morning, so maybe I can sleep in a little bit later than usual. Kind of running on fumes today, but uh, we'll see how the podcast goes, and um, there's so much stuff to get into, so maybe I'll just kind of break this up and we'll do something today. Maybe I'll try to get another one in during the course of the week if I get a chance. Uh, we'll see. I know I'm going to do something with Troy this week, so maybe that'll kind of serve as like a, a second addition to this. Uh, anyway, the beer of the night, we've got the Dogfish Head 60-Minute IPA, so that is what we're going with tonight. Uh, hopefully we don't get through an entire six-pack going through this, because then that means I'm going to be probably at three-hour mark, so... Hopefully we're not getting there. Hopefully we'll just get through like two or three of these and uh, we can hit on a couple of things and then uh, kind of run with some of these free agent thoughts maybe for the next couple of weeks. Um, big news, obviously, for the week is the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. I, for one, enjoyed the whole Pat McAfee thing that he did. I know a lot of people didn't. I think a lot of people thought it was taking forever, that it was just a waste of time, and this was just a way for him to kind of air his grievances at the world. And yeah, it was kind of that, but I thought it was amusing. You know, you had almost 500,000 people tuning in to watch it. Everyone is kind of waiting on this guy's word. And, you know, I, I kind of get it. I, I get why that was. And I, I just kind of found it amusing. You know, I found him amusing. I found his whole, um, the whole thing just kind of funny when he was started with the, you know, back when I was drafted by the Packers and we've got this guy here and this guy and he became a GM and he became a GM and he became a GM. And it, basically what he's trying to say is the organization now sucks. <laughs> and it was great back then. Uh, that that was basically the gist of the whole thing. It was just a, a takedown of the Packers front office and the Packers coaching staff. Um the whole story in there was pretty amusing. The, the whole, I went into the darkness 90% certain I was going to be retired. And then I came out from the darkness and I got my one bar on the cell phone. You know, he's wearing a Super Bowl ring during all this. Now, I don't know, may, maybe he wears that every time he goes on the show. But I, I thought that was uh, that was pretty funny, too. Um, you know, I came out of the darkness and I got one bar on my phone and I see all these messages. People I trust. Just the Packers were shopping me. Like, you know, I, I, I expected them to, you know, say, you know, this is a business decision and, um, you know, come to me and just say, you know, we'd love for you to retire as a Packer. You know, it was just like, you know, it really rubbed me the wrong way. And at that moment, you know, th th this was like the old Hulk Hogan speech or something. You know, at that moment, you know, I was like, I'm not retiring, brother. You know, it was it was ridiculous. It was just so funny that that was the, the approach that he kind of took. Like, I, I was going to walk away from $60 million, <laughs> but, you know, this this really, this made me want to go and do it. Um, you know, and my intention is to play for the Jets. And, 
you know, right right now the whole thing, the whole process is in limbo. And, you know, everybody's got an opinion on it. Um, I put a video up going, kind of going over the contract, so you can go with that there. Uh, I was actually going to try to do some video for this tonight, and I was just having some problems getting it set up properly, so I figured, I don't know, why, why really bother with it to, uh, you know, to fiddle with that. Um, you know, I'll figure that out another time. Uh, that was more for going over the different contract stuff, because it seemed like with the Aaron Rodgers thing, and I know a couple of the other videos I posted, which haven't been too many uh, through the years, I have... Walking through the numbers sometimes is a little bit easier when you when you do the video and you do a screen capture or something like that. Um, but yeah, the Rogers stuff, you know, it, it was amusing, and you know, he took down Adam Schefter and uh, you know all these different reports. And again, I thought it was funny. It's like here he is with the whole you know distrust the media and it's all fake news and. I didn't really do that, you know. Did I say I like these players? Of course I did. They're my teammates, you know. They're my friends. Uh, you know, I'm just telling them the kind of guys they are, but whatever. But you know, I, I didn't give my uh, list on the parchment paper to the team and blah blah blah. And he goes through the whole fake news, fake news, fake news. But then it's like, oh, but I heard from these other people I trust. They heard reports that I'm being shot, but that that was legitimate. That wasn't fake news. So, anyway, um, you know, I, I that that stuff was all funny. Now, now you get into this whole compensation bit and what is really going on here, and I, I don't know the answer to it. You know, it doesn't make sense to me that the Jets did not have a trade in place before they went out and talked to him. Yeah, every other time when you have these kind of conversations where a player kind of has a de facto no trade clause. Um, you know, you, you go you, Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr. Uh, you know, you typically, you deal first with the team to make sure the two of you can come to an agreement. And then you come to that agreement, you go and meet with the player, and you see where things will go. So obviously for Deshaun Watson, you had multiple people that came to an agreement with Houston. And they, they, they agreed with that. The, the deal was set if Watson chose to go to that team. The Raiders and the Saints had a deal on the table. Derek Carr, who does end up becoming a Saint, and we'll talk about his contract maybe tonight a little bit, um, you know, he becomes a Saint, but he does not accept the trade. So I don't know how the Jets did it that way. Now, I, I kind of put that out there online, and a bunch of people started saying, hey, they had a, they had a trade in place. Nobody knows that. Everyone is basing it on a report by Trey Wingo when he came out and said the deal was 99% done. Come on. It, it, that, that's not even close. All right. The the 99% part, I am sure what he heard was teammates of Rodgers, specifically those probably who were free agents, they had already been given their goodbyes. Like Aaron, I think, had already told them, like, I'm out of here. That that was the 99% done part. Not 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 the two sides coming to a trade. If in some way, shape, or form, the two sides had agreed on a trade and they were pulling out of it now, um, you know, changing the terms of the deal, the Jets should be all over that publicly and, you know, putting it out there. And you know that it would have, that would have gotten Florio at the very least, because that's the kind of stuff that he loves to go for, right? So you know it at least would have gotten to him. 
You know, there's no reason for the Jets to keep that quiet. Aaron Rodgers would have brought it up in the thing. It wasn't they're holding them up for compensation. You know, it, it, I'm sorry. That That is basically what he said. You know, they're, they're trying to decide on the compensation. But it wasn't like I agreed or they agreed to a trade and then they changed their mind. It wasn't that at all. It was just that, you know, they're, they're Packers are holding tight on what they, they believe is fair compensation for me. So I don't believe the Jets had a deal in place. Now, maybe it was one of those deals where you, you kind of talk with the team and you say, okay, you're open to trading him. This is kind of some of the stuff we have on the table. And the other team maybe comes back and says, okay, well, th this is kind of the stuff that we're interested in. And you're like, all right, well, maybe that's close enough. And so we'll go from there. But, you know, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't sound like they had... Um, had that all maybe in place, which just it's just that that's a bad job by the Jets. I don't I don't blame uh, Joe Douglas for that. I, I know there's some people that are probably going to do that. Uh, this is all a Woody Johnson thing. This this whole whole bit is a Woody Johnson deal. This this is not a Joe Douglas deal. Um, this this is all Woody. This is the owner being back and. You know, th this is exactly what happened with Brett Favre. This is this is what happens all the time with uh, certain guys. You know, with Le'Veon Bell, with the the return of Darrell Revis, all, all those kind of things. A lot of that has all been owner driven by the Jets, and that's that's what this is. Hey, and I'm pretty excited about it. You know, I, I think if Aaron Rodgers lands with the Jets, that at least makes them competitive. Uh, is Aaron Rodgers the same player he was a couple of years ago? No, probably not. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be the best quarterback the Jets have had since, I don't know, Testa Verde in 98? Yeah. I know it's a it's low company, but um, I, I would imagine that he would be the, the best quarterback, certainly since that, that time. You know he can play outside. You know he can play in the, in the December kind of weather, um, though... You know, last couple of years, it's been pretty mild. Um, so you, you don't have those concerns that maybe you would have with some other people. And, you know, the, the one thing that I, I will say about Rodgers, it seems like all his teammates kind of like him. Um, it, it's a little bit different, it seems like, than the Favre dynamic. And it, it's not like guys didn't like Favre, but Favre was kind of a, uh, yeah, he was unique too. Um, and it worked for a little while in New York with Favre until he got hurt. Um, but Favre's heart was not in playing in New York at all. He he wanted to be in Minnesota. I don't know where Rodgers wants to be. I, I don't know if Rodgers really wants to be in New York, but he wants to play football. And it's not like, it did not feel like this was a, I'm going to the Jets decision because I've got nowhere else to go. Um... He might have nowhere else to go, but I kind of have a feeling that, um, you know, the, the, this was kind of, I don't know, just something he would, wouldn't would mind doing. Like, he doesn't look at this as like a bad option or only option for him. Um, so I'm pretty excited uh, about that, and hopefully they will get a deal done. And, you know, you, you get into all these talks with leverage, leverage, leverage. I wrote about this a little bit on the site. And the fact is, really, neither side has any leverage here. Um, you know, if, if you're Green Bay, here's the issue. 
you've basically got a $60 million salary hanging over your head if you don't get a deal done at some point in time. You know, now I, I don't know what the Jets can do to kind of push that. You know, I, I don't know if you just start leaking out that you are publicly um, considering Ryan Tannehill. You know, that you, you've started just sniffing around to see if Tennessee is open to trading him. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think you flirt with Matt Ryan. I don't, I don't think he would go with that. I don't think, you know, people have said the Lamar Jackson thing. I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to entertain that to help, um, you know, the Jets out. So I, I, I don't think that's something if you're just trying to do it as a leverage play. Uh, most of the quarterbacks have signed. I'd, I'd have to look to see if there's somebody else kind of floating around, um, That'd be worth signing. You know, that, that would have been an option for him. Uh, you know, you, you can leak stuff like you're interested in Tom Brady. You know, that you're willing to make a push on Tom Brady to see if you can get him, convince him to come back and play. Uh, you know, wouldn't he love to stick it to New England and win a championship with the, you know, hated rivals of the Patriots? Um, you know, you can try to leak maybe some stuff like that to try to force him a little bit. Uh, but, you know, they... they the Packers have that kind of hanging over their head, and the Jets have the fact that they just don't have a viable quarterback. You can't go out there with Zach Wilson. His career is over in New York. I mean, you basically had every single player on the team begging Aaron Rodgers to come and play in New York and having a party when Aaron Rodgers said his, in his intent is to play in New York. Um, you will lose the entire team if somehow Zach Wilson is your quarterback next year. So you got to have... You know, that, that, that's not even a, a remote possibility um, for the Jets in 2023. So you've got that, and then you've got the other side, which is just the, the complete finances of it. You know, the, the Packers just have this huge amount of money on their head. And, you know, people were making a big deal out of this option bonus. Like, oh, you know, this is this is, this is amazing thing. This is really a, uh, it's a mechanism that was devised, I think, by Philadelphia, once again, I bring Philadelphia up, and there, there might be some other. There might be another team that did this, um, but Philadelphia is the first one that I really remember it with, where they started putting a couple of these options that would be due basically a week before the regular season. And the reason for that is you want to give yourself all summer to be able to trade a player. I, I would have said where this kind of came out from Philadelphia. Now it it wouldn't have impacted this specific one. But I would say what gets the wheels turning is when you saw the, the price that the Minnesota Vikings paid for Sam Bradford, um, you know, that, that one year when uh, Teddy Bridgewater got hurt and they gave up a first round pick for him. Philadelphia had already paid a lot of his salary for the year as a signing bonus. So it, a little bit different than an option bonus. But the option, you can control the timing. So you do that because it gives you the ability to decline an option if it's not guaranteed. Uh, you know, decline an option and still cut the player in August. You have the ability to trade the player in August and let the option become the excuse me responsibility of the team. Uh, so the Eagles do this, the Cleveland Browns do it, and the Packers did it specifically with this contract. It still doesn't change the fact that the minute that the option is picked up, you owe this guy a ton of money. You know the the option I think is uh, I'm not going to look up the exact number, but I, I think it's fifty eight three. Um, and the split on that is, I think it's $28.3 is paid within 10 days of exercising the option. 
$30 million is then paid by the end of September. So it's a huge amount of money. This is a lot different than other signing bonuses that typically get paid maybe half, you know, within 10 days of signing the contract. The rest gets paid out over the course of regular season. Sometimes it doesn't get paid until the following year. Um, you know, so th there's all different kind of payment schedules on these things. This one is very player friendly once the option is picked up. It's one of the biggest bonuses that you could imagine. And when you think about it, you know, from a contract perspective, it's crazy if you're picking it up. You're talking about a player that's going to cost you about $55 million a year if he plays for two years. You don't even know if he's going to play for two years. He might play for one. So you'd be talking about a $60 million first year investment in a player who may only be there for a year. There's no other player that makes close to that. Can you think of a player in the NFL, in NFL history, who's been on a one-year contract that would be the equivalent of $60 million? You can't. So this is one of the reasons why the Packers don't have this great leverage. The contract itself because he's older and he's not really committed to stuff. Um, you know, the, the contract itself is not appealing to really any team in the NFL. It's appealing to the Jets because the Jets are desperate. So you, you have to find another desperate team. So I, I don't think this is a situation where the Packers can attempt to say, well, we're going to find another team. I don't even know if they could be in a position where they would be able to say, well, you know what, we'll hold off because if there's an injury, maybe we can find someone to, to take that contract. You know, the, the amount of money that you're talking about, the only team that I can imagine taking on that kind of money if they had a devastating injury in August would be a team like the Eagles. I don't know if the Eagles could fit it cap-wise. But that would be the kind of team, you know, that, that I could see maybe jumping in at the last minute and making that trade. I don't think there's any other teams that would do that. So I think for the Packers, it's the Jets are bust. Now, the Packers have reasons to wait until after June 1st. You know, the, the reasons on it, you know, which I outline in the article is number one, it splits the dead money up for them. Right now, they're going to take about $40 million dead if... Um, if they do it this way, you know, it, it ends up being closer to something like $8 million this year and $20 million, um, I'm sorry, uh, $30 million next year. Um, something like that. $32. Uh, however, the, however the numbers work out. I might actually have that wrong. It might be $15. Let, let me actually look that one up. Because now I'm, I'm giving you the wrong numbers on that. Uh, let's see. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, let's see. Cut post June one. So uh, yeah, he he would count. I'm sorry, it's fifteen eight this year, and then about twenty four would be next year. So you know that that's a much easier split for them than just taking the full forty now. Um, you know they're planning, I think, on taking the forty right now. But you know that would be a logical reason. The other thing is that the, the and I've said this over and over and over and over again, and people aren't going to talk about it enough. The Packers completely blew it with Aaron Rodgers' contract. You know, they really did an awful job for themselves with really with this thing every single step of the way. You know, the, the minute they drafted Jordan Love, 
which was what year did he get drafted? Was that 2020? Yeah, 2020. It was like they just they screwed up. You know, they made the right call. And Rodgers mentioned that, you know, they told him, you know, it's always better to do this a year early rather than a year late. But, you know, basically what happened was that deal happens. Aaron Rodgers gets the boo-boo face. So the first thing that they do is they take a year of his contract, which was for uh, in the year 2023 for just $25.5 million, and they just rip it up. All right. Yeah, you're, you're good. You don't have to do that. You know, and yeah, we're not going to hold you on the uh, forfeiture claims on anything if you decide to retire. Because they're they're basically at that point, they're begging him to retire. Right? All that all this stuff happens. But then he goes out and he has an MVP season. Okay, well, you can't cut the guy because he's, you know, obviously having a MVP season. So, you know, you, you go through all this and you know, you got back to back MVP seasons. So now what do you do? Well, you have him under contract in 2022. You have him under contract for 25-5. You could just let him play the damn thing out because it, it's already in your head that this is over. This relationship is done. You you knew in 2020 that it was done. The success of the, the team made you change your mind, change course of action. All right. But... When you hear all the stuff now where they're like, oh, well, they're sick of Rodgers. You know, they're sick of the routine. Did that routine change in 2022? No. It's the same nonsense every year. You know, it is what it is. But it was good enough that February or that March, yeah, March, March 14th, he signed the deal where they turn around and they give him this monstrous extension that pays him $42 million last year, will pay him $60 million this year. Remember, he was going to make $50 million total, 51, in those two seasons. This is the Packers that gave him this deal. You know, that, that gives him $100 million over those two years. And then you tack on one more year for 49-3. Oh, you killed your trade value at that point in time. Now, now Rodgers is older, obviously, than you know Wilson and Stafford and those guys. But when you look at the trade package that went for Wilson, all right, where you get the, the three first rounders, you get some other picks, you get some players in the trade. I mean you're getting you're getting an entire franchise that you can build by getting rid of that player. You know, same thing with Deshaun Watson again, very different category, much much younger. But the thing that came with all those players was really the the ability for the team to kind of control where the contract went. Now in Cleveland's case, they did something insane. And Denver's probably looks pretty insane right now too, but Denver was able to control the contract extension. So I don't understand if you're the Packers, if this is always in the back of your mind that you, you can't deal with this year after year after year, why are you not doing that deal with Denver? Because you would have gotten this deal from Denver last year and you would have let Denver negotiate this contract with Aaron Rodgers, however crazy it may or may not be. You know, why, why are you not doing that? 
You know, so th- th- this is absolutely gross mismanagement by the Packers. And you, know, you can talk all you want and say, oh, well, you know, it would have been a fan revolt off a championship game if we got rid of the quarterback. Was it a fan revolt when Favre went? You know, and really, what, what did you solve? You know, you went into last year, you didn't make the playoffs, and you still have just this giant messy divorce on your hands with a way worse salary cap position, way less in trade value that you're going to get back, and you still have the player absolutely dragging you through the mud. Saying the organization basically stinks. You know, all the stuff that you heard two years ago when you basically had Rodgers want to be the the GM of the Packers, like, I wish I had a voice. Okay, we'll give you Randall Cobb. Yeah, they're listening to me now. You know, all of that nonsense that was there and you try to pacify it every step of the way. Well, we'll get you Randall Cobb. We'll get you this guy back. We'll, uh, We'll take the year off your contract. All right, we'll give you an extension. It's all the same thing. All you did was just when the problems began in 2020, you just delayed it to 21. Then in 21, you just delayed it to 22. 22, you delayed it to 23. It's the same exact end result. You know, for the team as a franchise, at least. And you you don't get back anything of value. You know, now, uh, ever since the beginning of this, because of this contract... My thought was your compensation was going to be a mid-round pick this year, would be something like a fourth rounder, and then you have something next year that's like a two that can rise to a one, maybe based on contract status or, um, you know, performance. You know, and you you might even have something that's attached in 2025 where it could be a a flip. Um, You know, that might be where you have to do depending on the contract status because there's, who knows with him, with the retirement and all that stuff. So you, you may have a contract flip in there. I'm I'm sorry, a draft pick flip, and what what I mean by that is a, uh, it would be essentially let's say the the Jets gave up a second round pick in um, 2024, and that there there was a a rider on there that you know if Rodgers was still under contract, it could escalate to a, a number one, because the the time delay that could be there with Aaron, you, you would probably have to do it in a way where it would be a number one in 2025. And then the Packers would give you back um, the number two then in 2025. You would get the Packers two, uh, you know, to make you whole for giving them the two in 2024. Um, You know, but I I think that's what you're looking at instead of like the three number one draft picks and whatever else that you would get and a much better salary cap position than what they're in right now. Um. You know, so I, I think that's really the the gist of it for the Packers. So at least if you wait again until after June 1st, not only are you getting that salary cap benefit for this year, but it, it's going to look a lot better when, you know, all your compensation is kind of tied to 24 and maybe 25. Because if you go out there now and you get a fourth round pick or a third round pick, maybe even a second round pick, again, it's just going to look bad for you. Be because of what all these other quarterbacks have gotten. So if you drag your feet on it and you delay, 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 you know, at least then you can say that. And then also, you know, there, there is the point that teams are much more freewheeling with um, their later picks, their, their picks in the following year. 
So if you, you're talking about trading a 24 pick versus a pick that you know, I'm sorry, a 23 pick, um, 24, <laughs> versus a pick that you know in 23, which the Jets have right now is number 13 in the first round, you're going to be way more will, uh, willing to deal that 2024 first rounder. Especially if you do that nonsense, you're like, well, it's really like a second rounder. Okay. Um, you know, plus you assume your team is going to be better and all that kind of stuff. So it makes it easier probably for the Packers at that point to extract a first round pick without having it to be conditional. Uh, makes it easier for the Jets to do it. I'm not worried about Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, the offseason program. Why? He doesn't really show up to that stuff. You know, you, you're not going to get Aaron Rodgers as a Jet until those mandatory OTAs that you have, you know, that three-day, what is it, like a weekend or something. Realistically, he's not going to be doing much with the team until August when training camp uh, opens up, you know, late July, early August, whenever that is. Because I, I think the Jets open up earlier this year. Um you know, that, that's really when you're getting Aaron Rodgers in. So you don't have a rush on your hands. You just have to get it done by then. I think the only worry if you're the Jets is if Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in some way, shape, or form mess up, uh, make up. The, the one thing that came out of his press conference, which was different than some of the other scorched earth stuff that we've seen, um, you know, like Favre's, Scorched Earth was clear with that. That was that was on both sides. That was we don't want you here. Uh, get lost, and that was him just being upset with everybody who worked in that organization. This one, it's a little different. Um, he went out of his way to talk about how much he loves Green Bay, how much he did used to love the organization. Um, you know, and we've seen him kind of behind-the-scenes take down the team before, and they've been able to kind of make up. So that's the only thing that would worry me, is if in some way they did make up and they were willing to have him come back. Um, you know, because again, it, it's it's a little bit different than Brett Favre showing up, I think, at camp to force the issue where it was like, we don't want you here. Why are you here? Go home. And he's trying to force the issue where I don't think Rodgers would care. I think if the Green Bay Packers went to him and I don't even know what it would take, you know, probably giving him more money and giving public acknowledgement of him as the greatest player in the history of the team and, you know, some other nonsense like that. Uh, I, I think he would certainly entertain the idea of going back to Green Bay. So I think that's the only thing that would worry me uh, from the Jet side of it is I don't think there's another team to get involved, but I, I th there's still a part of me that thinks that, that there's a chance that they could repair that relationship. Um, you know, this is not something where if if Aaron Rodgers is still on the Packers in August, I don't think they're going to make him sit behind Jordan Love. Let's put it that way. I think they might be resigned to the fact that, okay, you know what, Aaron is our starter. And, you know, they did kind of say that when they, they came out the other week and they, they gave that statement, which was like, well, we'd like him to go. Um, you know, but if it doesn't go the way we're planning, well, you know, he'll be our starter. 
So it does scare me a little bit, you know, him going back to Green Bay. But, um, you know, other than that, I, I think he'll be a Jet. And I think if you're a Jet fan, you should be excited. You know, I, I think, yeah, is, is this anything that's in the long-term interest of the Jets? No. But, you know what, it, it gives you a chance. It, it gives you an opportunity to do something that you weren't going to do otherwise. Um, do I think the Jets are a Super Bowl team? No. But... You know, at least making the playoffs is a uh, step somewhere. Um, so, you know, I'm a little excited about that. So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. But I, I think it'll it'll happen. But you know, th- there is a uh, at least a little concern. Um, you know, that I guess would be there in the back of my mind, just that they make up and you know. He, he's okay with playing in Green Bay. So, free agency this week. Uh, kind of went with a whimper. Um, just not the excitement, not the juice that there's been in years past. Kind of knew that going in. Um, you know, I, I looked at uh, last year's numbers. The number of players over 20 million, the number of players over 15 is basically the same. Now, the, the, the one difference is that the $20 million plus category this year uh, has a couple of quarterbacks. So that's a little different, um, you know, than other years where you've got positional players hitting over 20. Um, You know, so that's a little something. Plus, all the quarterbacks signed very quickly in the process. Like it was basically, um, you know, right before the end of the franchise tag deadline that you you had all these players kind of doing their deals versus really in the free agency period itself. And, you know, the, the the area which was really lacking, though, were all the players who typically get, it looks like, between 10 and 15 a year. Uh, last year, that number was in the 30s. This year, it's in the... Um, I'm sorry, not in the 30s. Uh, what, what was that number? I just looked it up tonight. Um, let me see. I think I actually put a tweet out on it. So let me just go look there. See what it is. I think I'm thinking of the uh, the overall numbers over a certain amount. Um, let's see. Yeah, 21 players last year. Uh, it was only it's only 13. I think I I didn't have Bradbury's numbers. I think Bradbury's over 10. So I I put him in that. So otherwise it would be 12. So it, that that's a big difference. You know that that you're missing kind of that group that's in there. Um, you know, I think overall it was probably good this year if you were a defensive tackle. Um, you know, that market certainly climbed. Not terrible if you're a right tackle. Um, and probably bad if you're anything else. You know, I, I think uh, most of the other positions that you, you go to and you look at ended up kind of being poor. Um, yeah, so go, I'll go over a couple of these, uh, these deals that came on now. Um, you know, and I'll start with the quarterbacks and I wrote a little bit about the quarterbacks there, but, uh, you know, you have four quarterbacks that top the list. So you have Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, and then Jimmy Garoppolo. He's the one that signs in free agency with the Raiders. You know, and they're all very different deals, uh, even though for the, the original grouping of the quarterbacks, you know, people were making a big deal out of them. 
Uh, you know, Daniel Jones gets $40 million a year. I thought this was a big mistake by the Giants. Uh, I thought this was one of the worst uh, free agent decisions. If you want to call it a free agent decision, I do, uh, because player was going into free agency. I thought this was one of the worst decisions that you can do. Um, this, this was a decision that was driven really by the fact that they wanted to keep their running back. That's, that's what it boiled down to. It's like it should be easier to sign your running back than your quarterback, but in this case, it was, all right, we're not going to get the running back done, so let's get the quarterback done so we can tag the running back. It's just it, it's a backwards way of doing it. Uh, just in general, I, I'm not a big fan of what the Giants did uh, so far in free agency. Um, I thought the Giants would kind of utilize this as kind of... And it's not like they, they've spent a ton you know, on, on players, I guess. But, you know, they, they brought back Slayton. They went and they got uh, Paris Campbell. You know, it doesn't cost much. Uh, they got the defensive tackle. You know, they, they punter. Um, you know, they, these, they brought the linebacker in from the Colts. I don't know. I, I If I was the Giants, I, I would have just been like, okay, you know, last year was wonderful. Uh, we should just be happy with what happened and let's take it slow um you know versus kind of doubling down on the team as is um you know you flip the third round pick for Darren Waller high upside high risk player um you know you're spending a lot on him you know relatively you know it's it's not terrible but uh you know you're spending a good chunk of change this year on him you don't know how it's going to fit with the offense you don't know if it'll be healthy hasn't really been healthy the last two years you're hoping you get the player that he was two years ago and you know that that's not a great way I I think really to ever approach things in the NFL Um, you know you're when you start chasing things that happened in the past in this league you don't usually get it in the future once in a while you do so maybe this will be that exception but Usually it doesn't happen that way. Um, so, yeah, I haven't been a big fan, but, you know, th- this is a legitimate franchise quarterback contract. Now, it's not the upper level of it. Like, everybody is going to go crazy at the $40 million a year price tag because that puts him right on par with, uh, you know, Prescott and, you know, a couple million behind Josh Allen. The structures on these deals are very, very different. Um, you know, when you get down to it, you know, the, the two year cash in Daniel Jones's contract is, um, how much it's 85, maybe let's see. Daniel Jones is two year 82. If I'm looking at that right, you know, his is 82. Dak was... See what Dak was. You know, Dak got like seventy-five his first year. Dak is ninety-five. So I mean, they're, they're two different categories, and it's one of the things with when you you have markets that change over time, you gotta you gotta kind of peg them relative to where the market is at. So you know, when Prescott signed his deal, Prescott was the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL on a normal contract. You know, Patrick Mahomes was at that forty-five number, but Mahomes' uh, five-year total was really 39. 
So you had Watson 38, you had Mahomes 39, you had Dak 40. So Dak was a top-of-the-market contract. Daniel Jones is not, right? Daniel Jones is $40 million a year player, but it's not a top-of-the-market contract. Top-of-the-market would have been 49 or 50. So really where he's at, and this contract reminded me a lot of it, is that Ryan Tannehill contract with the... Um, Tennessee Titans, which I think is 28 or 29 a year. You know, that 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 kind of is where it's at. But still, this is much more expensive than doing the two franchise tags. And I know some people were like, oh, well, you can get out of it in year three because they did get the the they didn't get the uh, early vesting date on his guarantee. And, um, you know, most of those quarterbacks get that. He actually has to be on the roster in 2025. They didn't even get a waiver wire one. They got a uh, start a league year where it's a 12 guarantee. People are like, oh, well, you can walk away in a year if, or two years. If you're walking away, it means you made a mistake. Plain and simple, you made a terrible mistake. You know, you you, you don't want to have situations where you're you're getting out of these deals. I, and even if you're, you're like, well, you can get out of it without too much trouble on the cap. It's only $18 million. Well, you know, you, you just spent... Uh, in the first two years on this, 66. So really, that that's just, you just had dead money buried in those first years because you kind of screwed up what you were doing. You know, you saved $10 million on the cap this year by doing the extension, but in return, you're paying millions more over the long term. You know, the tag is made for players like Daniel Jones. Made for those kind of players. Don't have to tag him twice, but that's the kind of player you want to tag one time. So I thought this one was a big mistake, but it is a legitimate franchise quarterback contract. Derek Carr's is kind of like a we-don't-have-a-better-option kind of contract. You know, people made a big deal out of Carr, you know, and they, they, they brought up a lot of things with it. Um, the Carr deal was a we're-going-to-commit-to-a-quarterback for two years, we're going to get low costs up front in the deal. It only averages $30 million a year in those first two years. Um, the one thing that Carr got, which is a good thing, is he gets a $10 million guarantee that kicks in for 2025 in 2024. Uh, so I, I kind of said that this this is... It's not the same kind of rolling guarantee mechanism as Mahomes and Allen have, which more or less fully guarantee those deals for the most part. But this is the same kind of concept. What those concepts are is that they didn't get the $50 million a year, but if at any point in their contract they're cut, the way their guarantees roll in, they'll be making $50 million a year up to that point in time. That's the way that those guarantees uh, kind of work. So here... That 10 that kicks in means that for two years of work, he'll earn at least $35 million a year if he was to get cut. Now, people made a, a big deal out of a no-trade clause. Who cares about a no-trade clause? If Derek Carr is good, do you think the New Orleans Saints are going to trade him? If Derek Carr is bad, do you think anybody is going to trade for him? There's no plausible scenario I can come up with 
with where they would want to trade Derek Carr and be able to get something for him, but he'd block it because of this no-trade clause. All right. Uh, cash flow bre breakdown on this deal is 30 million year one, 30 million year two, then we get a 40 million, then a 50 million. So his 37.5 per year, yeah, that, that's a fake number. <laughs> that number's fake news. Um, you know, when you get into it, it's a, uh, you know, I thought this was a really good job by the Saints. Um, not because I, I think Derek Carr is a great quarterback. I, I don't even know if this is, you know, going to move the needle much from where Andy Dalton was last year. Um, but, you know, if you pinpointed this guy as your starter, you got him cheaper than if you had traded for the contract. So, you know, I, I think if you're going to have a guy that you, you peg as your starter for two years, I think this is a pretty solid job. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a good one for them just for where they are as a team. You know, this is probably the best they could do. Then the other one you got, which was completely misreported, was Geno Smith. And this is this was a great deal for the Seahawks. This is one of the best contracts of the offseason. This is probably the best contract of the offseason. Um, because you had a player that seemed to be coming with a ton of leverage that you thought might get a franchise tag or a transition tag. Um and some people that thought he was going to make a ton of money over like a four or five year period, that all he needed was that one year. Seattle very clearly laid out to him the the possibility that they were not going to use a tag at all. Because he doesn't even earn this year what he would have earned on the uh, transition tag. He earns 27.5. That's a couple million under the transition. It's like two million under, give or take a couple hundred thousand. So... Very clearly, Seattle was going to let him test the market, and I think that was the the. I don't know what that market's going to be. This is probably a, a, you know, if you're Geno Smith and you basically played every single season for the minimum, I mean, there's a fantastic contract for you, uh, but you know, th this is a good deal for Seattle, um, just because the way stuff goes with quarterbacks, uh, you would expect something a lot different than this. And, you know, when those numbers came out, it was reported $35 million a year. It was like, wow, I'm surprised. And it turned out that was with a ton of incentives. And the incentivized structure is, it's pretty good. You know, it's the, it's the same kind of stuff that I talked about before when talking about doing a contract with him. That you're basically saying, well, all right, let's prove it. So we want you to be the Geno Smith that there was in 2022. So for every year of your contract that you are Geno Smith of 2022, you know, same exact statistics, same exact number of passing yards, same exact number of touchdowns, same exact completion percentage. We get to the playoffs. You throw so many touchdowns. We'll bump your salary by up to $15 million. And we're going to put it in an off-season roster bonus, so odds are you're going to earn it. So... You know, I, I I just thought this was a, a good deal for them. I thought it was very fair. Um, you know, it, it gives him a bump for what he did last year. It gives him the upside to get, you know, much higher money if he continues to do it. And if he doesn't do it, you can walk away. You know, the following year, you'd have about 17-4, um, I think it's dead on there. 12-7 uh, vests. And my opinion on it is 
with a deal like this, when you got the player who's been there since 2019, if things don't go that way and you've drafted a quarterback and you made the turn in week 10, you go to him next year and, you know, you know you've been great for our team. We want you back. Would you reduce your salary to $5 million and you, you know, you're, you're our backup and our mentor? I would imagine you'd say yes. So the contract is structured for them to be able to do that. So I, I love this deal for them. You know, but th- this is not, this isn't even the level of like the Nick Foles, Blake Bortles, Teddy Bridgewater kind of starter deals that have come in through the years. This is, um, this is very different than that. This is, this is more like uh, a Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of deal, uh, just with some added years and upside that's added to it. So th- this is, this is very much a, a one year contract. Um, then the other one that I mentioned was the Jimmy Garoppolo deal. Uh, I don't I, I don't really get where the Raiders are going, but you know I, they could probably still draft a quarterback. But you know who knows? Um, you know he's got eleven two five guaranteed already next year. You know he'll earn twenty five this year, half for next year. So if he was to get cut, he'd get about thirty six. Um, I'm sorry, thirty. Uh, well, it depends on what else he earns. He's got a uh, 220 workout. That's not guaranteed. He's got a bunch of per gamers. Um, you know, that was good for the Raiders to get those per gamers pretty high because the guy's never healthy. So, you know, if he if he has one of his unhealthy years, you, you might save yourself, uh, you know, a couple of bucks there. But, um, you know, he, he could earn, you know, up to like 36-ish uh, if he's healthy and they were to move on. So uh, this is a stronger contract for Garoppolo than Geno Smith got. Just to give you an idea as to you know how, how you would look at the two, even though the, the stated APY on this is a little bit less, this is a much stronger contract than Geno's deal, even if it doesn't have the upside and the incentives um, that might be there. But th- this is a stronger contract for him um, in every other way imaginable. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a so-so. It, it's a... It, coach is familiar with the guy, and that is what it is. Um, you know, so those were the, those are the four biggest deals. Then you get into, uh, the next category. Let me, let me pull them up. I think when I was looking up some stuff, I I closed my spending charts. All right. Let's take a look here. Uh, free agent spending. Let's take a look. All right. Let's put these deals in perspective again here. All right. So your uh, your next highest deals now, you started with your defensive tackles. So you had the Payne deal in Washington where he gets four years, $90 million, $22.5 per year, um, $60.02 million guaranteed. I'll get to why that guarantee is there in a second. Um, basically what they did, and I, I thought this was a, a unique way of kind of approaching it, they basically took Aaron Donald off the table and said, what do you want? You know, what, what do we have to do here? And it was very clear. It's like, okay, I want to be the highest by average annual value. We got you. One five over. I want to be the highest in total guarantees. Who's, who's the highest? $60 million for Chris Jones. All right. 60.02. So... Everything that you look at here 
when you you get into the uh, defensive tackles or the, any any of the interior D line, let me just pull them up here. So his signing bonus, he just comes in under his teammate Jonathan Allen. Uh, Allen got a thirty; he gets a twenty-eight. First year cash, Payne is at thirty one point oh one. That's just under Donald's thirty one point five. Uh, about three million over DeForest Buckner at twenty eight. His three year cash sixty seven five nine, uh, just above Buckner's sixty three seven five. Uh, just to compare it, Aaron Donald's at ninety five. Um, you know, just to, to drop that in there. But that that seemed to be where it was with all these. It was like, okay, let's pick this one and let's get a little above it. Let's pick this thing and let's get a little above it. Let's pick this one and let's get a little above it. This contract, I, I think, moved the market. Now, in my mind, the market was always going to jump to about $26 million this year. That was my theory. Um, I did not think Payne was going to be the guy, though, to, to kind of start that movement. I really didn't. Um, I thought he would come in around where his teammate was at 18. Yeah, I, I figured he'd be somewhere between 18 and 20. I didn't think he would jump it. I think the 22-5 for Payne, I think, caught a lot of teams off guard. Um, that's just my opinion on it. And I, I think that's probably going to get some revised deals for some of these other players who are, you know, better players. Uh, more notable players that are going to be heading into extension talks. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a necessarily a bad deal for Washington. Um, I, I don't really understand the, the makeup of their team, the makeup of their defense, but I'm assuming that this means that, you know, you've got these two concurrent, probably Allen drops out when Young jumps up, assuming he's healthy and plays well. Um but, you know, th this was a big one. I, I thought this one was one of the more surprising deals. One of the most surprising deals in my mind was Hargrave, 49ers at 21. I think this is an awful deal for San Francisco. Just a, a, a terrible contract for them. Um, you know, you, you, this, is, this is one of those, you know, may, maybe you need to take a, a little bit of an introspective look and just see where... Um, you know, where you, you need improvement and, you know, this isn't, this isn't it. This ain't it. Uh, you're talking about a player who was $13 million a year last year. So you're talking about an older player, right? Because he's, he's on to his third contract in the NFL. Third contract players rarely pull this feed off where you basically have taken your contract and you've gone from being a above average player, you know, above average uh, in terms of salary, and you've been able to lift it to an elite level player. That doesn't happen. You have elite level players that stay elite. You have above average players that stay above average. And you have players that fall. Rarely do you get a third contract guy who jumps. You know, Hargrave is going to be 30 years old this year. And one of the reasons you traded DeForest Buckner was because you didn't want to do this kind of contract. 
I, I, I just don't get it. You know, you guaranteed 40 up front, okay. You know, it, it's not the, the crazy cash flows on some of these other things that you might see. It's a little steadier. Um, you know, but it, it, in my mind, this is just, you don't have the cap room. You don't have a quarterback right now. It's like this to me is just, I think it was just pointless. I don't think this one made any sense for them. I think this was just a, I don't know. I just, it's not the same defense. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I thought this one was a, uh, a bad move forward. There's, he can make more money. I'm not saying that he's got to be at 13, but you know that's more his role, um, and more so than Payne. I, I think this is the one that really, really moves some stuff uh, around. So you got then you've got uh, Draymond Jones at 17. Um, that's a so-so deal for Seattle. Um, you know they're, they're bullish on and more bullish than the Broncos were. Uh, you know the Broncos went down a little bit in salary by bringing in uh, Zach Allen at 15-3. Um, again, th- those are both really good deals, though, uh, for those guys. Um, you know, much stronger than they would have gotten a year ago. Uh, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson, 14-2-5. I-, I think that's a little, that's kind of overpaying a bit, I think, if you're the Browns. You know, I, I like his fit, but you're, again, this is a player a couple years ago, did not have a free agent market. You're talking about a third contract guy. Now, this bump is in line with what he did on his last deal, given you know where salaries have gone. But I don't think his play has improved. Like, Dalvin Tomlinson, I don't look at him... Like, in Hargrave's case, Hargrave clearly has been as good as or better than, you know, when he got to Philadelphia. Dalvin Tomlinson, I think you probably still could look at him and say, you know... His best were still with the Giants. And if he wasn't getting those kind of looks in free agency a couple of years ago, what would make you think he's getting those looks now? So uh, I didn't get a chance to grade this one. I just got the numbers on it this morning. Um, you know, but yeah, 14 27-5 guaranteed. You know, that's a, that's a big leap of faith. Um, but, you know, may, maybe that's just... Uh, reflective of the market, you know, but th- that's way more than he got on his last deal, where he was at 10-5 a year uh, on the two-year contract. Um, you had the Falcons and Yamada. Oh, that's terrible. 11-7? No wonder the Saints were like, oh, see you, buddy. Um, I think those were the main ones. Davis, you got there. Um, I'm just seeing anyone else. Yeah, you got a couple guys in the lower end that jump up there too. You know that that was a, but that that was that was a market that did well. And then you've got the interesting one, which is that tackle market. So you had Jawan Taylor, who comes in at 20 a year. It's a little above where I would have put him, but nothing that's so outrageous. Um, you know, that, that I would say, okay, you know, it's a, it's a crazy one. 
the thing that I, I thought sealed this for the Chiefs is that it's basically just twenty million straight, twenty million this year, twenty million the next year, twenty million the next year. That that's basically the way the deal breaks down. So you don't have any kind of like big salary up front um, in this deal. Yeah, I, I mentioned I think when I wrote about it that it reminded me of the deal they did with Chris Jones a couple of years ago, where it was the same kind of concept. It was when you started to look at the the cash guarantee i'm sorry the the cash flows on it um it was so steady it's like okay this is one of those deals that you know when you think about what it costs to franchise tag a player like okay this kind of makes sense um you know with it now they do give up the early guarantee in the third year so he is legitimately guaranteed 60 million it's same thing they did with chris jones so now, Jones, they had under contract at the time on the tag, but, you know, it just the same kind of contract, I thought. So, um, you know, I, I thought this one was fair, I think, because of that. You know, the, the, the Chiefs are basically the lowest spending team in the NFL. Um, I, I'm not going to say in a given year they're the lowest. You know, obviously the Bears were the lowest last year. The year before that was probably the Jaguars. Um but when you start looking at it in three-year windows, five-year windows, the Chiefs are right near the bottom of the league. So th- this fits in perfectly with what they're looking to do and how they're looking to to kind of build their team out. So I thought that was okay for them. Then you have McGlinchey going to the Broncos. Uh, I think he's the only guy... Yeah, he's the only player that signed a five-year contract that I know of. Um, what did Bates do? Let me just see. I don't have the details on Bates. Yeah, Bates was a four. Um, yeah, so this is the only five-year deal that I, I know of at the moment. Uh, 52-5, injury protected, 35 up front. Uh, $20 million in the first year. So, you know, it, it's a pretty solid contract. You know, he, he was not going to... Um, he wasn't going to be a top guy. He he was a guy I had a problem putting a price tag on, but I thought it would be high enough to where he was not going to return, um, you know, to San Francisco, and you know it was going to be a question of who got him. So it's thirty five million over two years, you know, and then he goes to steady numbers of seventeen five. Uh, he also got the early vesting date, so his guarantee of fifty two five is a legitimate gonna earn it guarantee um you know so the the broncos obviously they they were big spenders in the offseason looking to shore up that offensive line um you had then you had the other one that was just the the kind of the odd contract out and i don't know why it's not showing here i must not have it dated let let me fix this here uh, there must be a problem with this so it's orlando brown going to the cincinnati Bengals. why is he not showing up because I, I have the details on that one don't i let's see i don't see him in my chart okay i got him in there now i don't know why i wasn't showing up in my chart um 16 million a year this is so far under what was reported that he was looking for, which was essentially to get the Tunsil kind of money at 23. Um, 
you know, this is this is way, way, way under that. It's 16. Um, now, I think if he was willing to move back to right tackle, I think he would have made more money. You know, I, I heard, I was listening to NFL radio. I don't usually listen to NFL radio, but I was in the car a lot this week, and I wanted to kind of keep up with free agency stuff while I was taking my daughter to dance and some other things, so I threw on NFL radio for change. Um, and you know, I heard one of the hosts on there, I don't remember who it was, I don't know if it was Kerwin, I, I can't remember who it was, um, you know, basically saying that, oh, well, they're going to, this is left tackle salary. It's like, you're not up on the numbers right now at all. This is not, you know, this, this is kind of middle of the road for either spot, um, you know, kind of salary. So it, it's a, it's a very interesting contract. I don't understand what the spin was when this deal was first signed. Uh, so uh, Brown has an agent now, um, you know, who, who does, who helps him or works with him or whatever. And I'm, I'd imagine that's where it came from, you know, because Rappaport was pointing out like, oh, 68% or whatever of the contract is guaranteed at signing. And, you know, when it, I, I immediately tweeted because uh, the first thing that came out was that he was going to get like a $30 million signing bonus, which is huge. But I said, okay, you know, this is the way the Bengals kind of do business, that, uh, you know, they front load a lot of these contracts and it is what it is. That That is the, the Bengals way of doing business. And, you know, then, then you had Rappaport came out. I don't remember if it was two different tweets or one. I think it was two. And both of them drove me a little. It was like, he's going to make 42 by this point. He's going to make 49. Oh, and then it's time for a new deal. It's like, what? Like, who who told you that? Who told you that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll just rip this one up after three and we'll just do another deal for it. I mean, it just, even if it's not the Bengals, just the NFL in general, you can't project that stuff out. You know, if that's the way you were thinking about it, do a three-year deal. You know, and then the next one that comes out is the 68% or 67.2 guaranteed. It's not. Because when that came out, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That is a complete change for the Bengals. Like, the Bengals are one of those teams that sticks to that whole, like, only thing is guaranteed is your signing bonus. Maybe maybe they throw a first-year guarantee in there. Maybe. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look. Most of the time, I think it's just signing bonus. And then they throw a roster bonus in the second year. And Cincinnati typically increases the price a lot in that first year. And that's usually their selling point. Um, you know, when, when they're trying to get free agents to sign. And as things turned out, you know, they didn't do that. You know, they, they put a lot of money up front, but they didn't do the guaranteed thing. Because I was like, why would you... Why would you do your guarantees here when that's just going to really screw you over with Joe Burrow? So, obviously, they, they didn't do it. So, I, I don't know what that information was. I don't understand what the purpose of it was. So, the deal is, if this was any other team in the league, I would say this is an awful contract. 
because you're going to pay him $33.7 million of a $64 million contract in the first year. He has zero incentive to play the next two years of the deal. Eight, seven, seven, five. Now, I'm not saying he won't. Now, he might be just someone who competes. Um, you know, because obviously there are players who just compete. Like, yes, the salary is a thing. But in the grand scheme of things, they just want to be on the field playing. But in terms of a way this is this contract is broken down, this is a retirement contract. All right. When you're saying, all right, buddy, this year you're going to get $33.7 million. Do you really think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to cut you, even though you don't have a penny guaranteed in that second year of the deal, when your salary is only 8.6 after they just sunk $33.7 million into you? No. They're not. Nor are they going to cut you the following year for seven five, and you know the last year of the deal it does jump up to fourteen two in the salary. And here's the thing: when we're talking about the Bengals, who chase sunk costs more than any team in the NFL, I think the Bengals will see this deal through. So as long as he doesn't do the take the money and run and you can get a productive year in 2023 and 2024, he can't be any worse than what you had, all right? As long as you can get that, as long as you get three years out of this deal if you're the Bengals, the structure's okay. The problem is if he if he doesn't do that and he just is like, I just got paid. I'm going to go sit in the pool for a while. Um, you know, because that's the structure on this deal. But yeah, the reporting on this one was all over the place. Bad. Just wrong. I, I didn't, I don't really get it. Um, all right, let's go back to the list. Let's see. Um, yeah, McGarry with the, uh, the Falcons. I thought that was a great deal for Atlanta. Yeah, I, he was another player. I didn't know where his market was going to come in. I think coming at 11-5 for them is really good. Um, you know, you have Ben Powers, uh, guard, you know, getting close to 13. It's probably an overpay by the Broncos, but nothing crazy. Um, so th- th- those guys all did pretty well for themselves. Um, Edmonds with the Bears, huge money up front. Big guarantee. That's a that's an overpayment by Chicago, um, you know. But it, it's a it's a position. I think they they put some value in. They just didn't want to go where you know Roquan Smith wanted to go. But again, you know, here's the thing. Now, obviously, I, I wasn't a big fan of the uh, the Claypool move, but you know, whatever. I get it. When we talk about linebackers. And we talk about positions that are replaceable. And I can get over and say that this is, you know, probably overpaying on this contract and whatever else. The thing is, people will say, well, you know, you could have just extended Roquan for close to the same price. You know, maybe a couple million more. Okay. But 
you were able to flip Roquan Smith for a second round pick. I, I don't care what you did with that pick, but you were able to flip him for a second round pick and go into free agency and get a linebacker who is close to what that would be, at least on a salary level. It's going to tell you that's close. So that's why, you know, the, the, the drafting of the premium position thing is an important way, I think, to build a team. And you can see it there. You got somebody to, to trade that second rounder. So you got a good linebacker because free agency is filled with linebackers. And you got a second round pick back. So let's go back a couple of years to the draft where we look at drafting someone like a Roquan Smith or, uh, you know, the the Ravens who drafted a linebacker a couple of years ago too. Um, you know, he didn't work out. But, uh, you know, we look at this here. So imagine the same kind of concept with Hold True. You could have used a first-round pick on a bunch of different players, and you still could have gone into free agency and got yourself a pretty good linebacker. So that that's, you know, the, the ways that you kind of have to look at this. Um, you know, he's the only linebacker that did a good deal uh, or that got, a, that got a big deal. Uh, Bates was the only safety. Um, that's been slow. Uh, but I, I don't have the full numbers on that. They just said 16 a year. Uh, Dean with the Buccaneers at 13. That's okay. Um, you know, that, that's another one that's been sluggish, that position. Um, Jacoby Myers was your top receiver at 11. Uh, I don't really know what the purpose of that was for the Raiders, but so be it. You know, he's familiar with the coach, I guess, a little bit. Um... Let's see, we got Sutton at 11 at corner with the Lions. Lazard at 11 with the Jets. You know, that that's a Aaron, please pick us kind of move. Uh, Fletcher Cox is back with the Eagles at 10. Eh, whatever. Yeah, seems more salary cap-ish than anything else. Uh, Sheldon Rankins at 975 for the Texans. They, uh, Texans almost get a $10 million player. So close. No team finds a way to get more guys in free agency on one-year deals than the Texans. But at least they spent up this time. Most of their sell most of their contracts are under two usually. Um Jonathan Jones back with the Patriots in 9-5. Byron Murphy, that was a deal that got overblown on the reporting. 8-8. Juju Smith Schuster, another one where the reporting was overblown. He's at 8-5 a year. Uh Jacoby Brissett goes to Washington. He's at eight. Um yeah, really, nobody else stands out. Robert Woods is Houston. Man, you know, Houston was chasing Jimmy Garoppolo for a minute. Could you imagine? I mentioned this to Troy, I think, online. Could you imagine if after all of this, if you're a Houston fan, all this tearing down a team that didn't need to be torn down, that you come out of all this in 2023 with Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback and Robert Woods is your top receiver because you trade away Brandon Cooks. It would just be comical. It, it really would be. Not going to happen, but who knows what they do. Um, let's see. Uh, what are some of these other deals? Anything stand out? You know, you had a couple safeties around seven. Hayden Hurst, surprisingly, was the, the first tight end to get a big deal. That was 7-2-5. The Panthers. I'm not a big fan of the Panthers offseason. Um, yeah, we, we can do trade talk another time. Uh, you know, just, just, it, it's a, I love that they, they moved up 
I don't care, you know, the, the price on it. You know, that, that's a, uh, I'll talk about it for a second. It's a trade that if you're not going to take quarterback, if you're Chicago, it's a trade that's great for both. It's great. Well, it's great for Chicago. It's still good for Carolina because it gives you your option to get the best quarterback in the draft. But I don't get the other signings that the Panthers have done. Like, why, what, what, I just don't get the purpose of it. You know, you're bringing in some older players. Same thing with Atlanta. What are you bringing in some of these older guys for? Uh, Thornhill goes to the Browns. I thought that was decent. Peterson to the Steelers. That's okay. Um, anybody else stand out here? Miles Sanders to the Panthers. Again, don't really get it. Um, Epps to the Raiders. That's decent. Uh, Quincy Williams. Jets overpaid a lot there uh, to keep him. Jordan Poyer to the Bills. So, I don't think the Bills have made the decisions they should be making, but this is not a bad contract. They get him for $5 million, uh per year. So, you know, I don't think there was much of a market for him. Um, so he goes back there. Jacecki goes to the Patriots at 4-5. That's a good deal for New England. Um, you know, that, that kid at least has a little bit of potential if you kind of play him at receiver. Um, who else in the cheaper range here Herbig to the Steelers for four you know that might work out that might work out uh Mike White goes to the Dolphins for four that is the most brittle quarterback room in the NFL but you know he he can come in there and he can spark you for a little bit of time that's a that's a contract that was overreported as well um let's see Anyone else? Braxton Berrios, 3-5 with Miami. Eh, that's fine, you know, for doing returns. Alexander Madison is 3-5, but he does get the deal almost fully guaranteed. So it's not an expensive contract. So I, I think there were some people that were under the impression it was an expensive contract. It's not. Um, but, you know, he is kind of guaranteed two seasons. Um, and that's really it. You know, the, the the other guys, a lot of veteran minimum guys, a lot of one-year deals, a lot of two-year deals. You know, the, not a lot of long-term stuff this year. Um, you know, so it, when you go by spending, you know, in total amount committed this year, the Broncos are number one with 227.5 in total contract value going out. They signed eight guys, um, obviously a lot on the offensive line. I'm assuming they're going to trade a wide receiver at some point. But, uh, you know, they, they went out and they, they really tried to improve the team. Saints added seven. Now, the big one there is Carr, so that, that really jumps their spending. Giants signed 10. Uh, they're number three with $199 million in total contracts added. Uh, a lot of that, obviously, is Daniel Jones, so you can take that number with a grain of salt. Atlanta Falcons, they add eight players, 168.7. Falcons got better. I wouldn't say the Falcons did anything that will impact them long-term. Uh, Washington adds 12. Big one is keeping pain. They're at 155. Bears add 7, add 151 in contract value. They've obviously added a ton of players to that team. Seattle, uh, a lot of that is Geno at 140. Panthers at 120. Raiders at 118. 
Browns add 118, 49ers 114. This total contract value, um, you know, that, those are the tops in the league. Bottom of the league, yeah, you got the Packers. They've added $4 million. Now, they did sign two players today, so they'll be a little over that. You got the Rams at 4-8. <laughs> you got the Titans at 5-4. You know, these these are all the teams getting out of cap problems and doing whatever. The Ravens have only added 10-9. You know, they they are gearing up for, you know, they, they use that non-exclusive tag and you know, the, the Lamar Jackson stuff. I didn't want to go into it again, but very surprising that that's what they used. Uh, but they, they are doing everything in their power with their deals. Any deal that they're signing is basically going out there and they are, um, you know, voiding out. You know, it could be it could be a bonus for $50,000. They'll use void years to uh, make sure it's only ten grand a year um, on the cap. And, you know, it's not impacting them long term right now. The point that they're doing is they're sending that message to the league that you're not going to get this guy from us. Like, if you negotiate a deal with him, we're going to match it. So basically what they're doing is that they are they're making sure that they can create the maximum amount of cap space because the only deal that they really cannot match is a deal that is so front-loaded with cap room, uh, with, uh, with cap charges that they can't match that, that they can't create the cap space. But the teams that could have done that, which, you know, were basically the the Falcons and the Raiders, they've bowed out. The Falcons, th- uh, the Raiders through signing Garoppolo and the Falcons through just adding so much money to the roster. I mean, maybe the Colts still have a path if they want to get there, but I don't, I don't think they're the team to do that. Um... You know, Jaguars didn't spend much this year, nor the Eagles. But the, those teams, you know, they spent in the past. They're they're kind of cap-strapped. All right, so I think that covers most of what occurred in free agency this week. Um, you know, you're going to make that turn now. There's, there's still a couple of guys left who will, uh, you know, get some deals, I think, that are decent. Um, but we very quickly went into the uh, visiting season of the NFL. Uh, off season, you know, it, it's usually you get like a week of kind of the higher price guys, and then it gets the second tier, and then you get into that third tier and a lot of visits and that kind of stuff. Usually, you get like a, a good week and a half out of free agency. We're gonna get three days, four days out of it this year, and that's about it. Um, maybe next year's will be a little bit more exciting. But, you know, good for all the players who signed. But you do feel bad. You know, all these guys who have been released, all these guys sitting on the sidelines, and like, oh, there's name value, there's a lot of value, there's a lot of value, a lot of value, a lot of good players. It's just not the way of the league. You know, you, you turn the league over constantly. Um, you know, unless you are like a really high-level performer, they just give up on you pretty quick. All right. Let's uh let's just do the Twitter stuff. So rather than doing Lamar Jackson, rather than doing the trade that happened, let's go to Twitter. Um let's see where did questions. I only asked one time. Do I put one last tweet? Let's see. Hmm. 
All right, I'm gonna put one more tweet out there, even though I have a lot of these questions it looks like already. All right, let's put a last call out there. I still gotta decide with Twitter. I got that other that notification again that if I don't sign up for their Twitter Blue, I think I lose my uh, two-factor authentication. Um, and they, I think they have some other ways to do it. I, I don't know. I'm still conflicted. Um, you know, I, I like the Twitter stuff, so I don't mind paying a little bit for it. I don't really care about the blue check mark. Ever since my uh, my account was taken uh, from me, poof, however many years ago that was, um, you know, and I, I've always had the the phone then as kind of a backup because. You know, it just becomes a, you know, a nightmare, um, you know, for it. So it's like I kind of still want that option versus some other stuff, um, you know, to do it. And obviously I still use Twitter a lot. I know I'm not on as much sometimes. Maybe during the football games I will be. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. So I'm still debating, but I guess I have until the 19th to decide, or maybe till tomorrow. Um, we'll have to see. All right, let's do these Twitter questions, and then we'll call this a evening. All right, let's just scroll to the bottom of this. Okay, we'll start out with this. Uh, oh, wait, actually, no, I did have a couple in the emails. Let, let's start with the email here. All right, Mark says, uh, I wanted to figure out how many dollars a team has already paid to a player but has not been charged against the salary cap. Can I just set a roster to trade pre-June 1 and add up the amounts in the dead money column? I figured that would exclude future guaranteed salaries but leave in any signing bonuses not yet charged to the cap. I tried the Saints, came up with 369. Can that be right? Um... It might be. Um, that actually seems excessive, but then again, it is the Saints, who I think have everybody at the minimum. Um, so basically what, what you would be doing, and there are a couple of players on option bonuses where that might screw some things up. Um, but yeah, basically what you would be doing if you were doing it for every year was you would just be adding up that prorated column. So I, I think what you're suggesting there probably would work. Um, that if you, you put everyone on the, the trade pre-June 1, um, it'll give you all the amounts that are in that dead money column uh, in the present and in the future. Now, if you're just looking at future salaries, you'd want to do a... I guess you would do a... Um, I guess you would do a June 1 trade starting the following year on that page would probably be the easiest way to do it, um, you know, if you're trying to exclude the 2023 stuff. But yeah, that that I, I think that should work um, for what you're looking to do. At some point, I'll actually put something up there. I just haven't had it. You know, I'll do that afterwards, you know, when we do like our real free agent recaps and stuff. Uh, Peter. Uh, in the last podcast, you mentioned the Saints have pushed past the ability to reset their cap. Uh, can you expand on that? So, you know, when we talk about resetting our cap, what you're talking about is doing what you see these teams occasionally do, like the Bills did, the Dolphins have done, the Raiders did, uh, the Colts did probably one year. 
the Jaguars might have done, the Bears did this past year. You see these teams that have the dead money just grow and grow and grow and grow, right? You just have a year where you just say, screw it. I'm going to cut a bunch of players on my team. Salary cap be damned. I'll take a bunch of dead money on the team this year. I'm not going to be able to add players this year to my roster. And then I'm going to create flexibility in the future. So last year, like Chicago, just said, screw it. We're going to trade everybody. We're going to cut everybody. And in one year, they were able to clear up their cap to where they came into this offseason with like 98 million, 95 million, you know, in salary cap space. And they still have like 45. But the resets basically mean you're getting players off the roster. You're getting their cap charges completely off, which means they're either being cut or they're being traded. The Saints can't move players off their roster. The dead money associated with those players is too high for them to have a viable path to be able to cut, you know, 25% of the roster, for example, and still be compliant with the salary cap. You know, th- this is why a, a player like Pete, who, you know, is just, he's no good, or a player like Winston. Now, Winston, they could have a role probably for as a backup. But, you know, this is why these types of players end up getting extended. This is why Michael Thomas, who hasn't been healthy in like three years, is able to do a renegotiated deal to come back because you your cap consequences of getting rid of those guys is worse than really just keeping them on the roster even if it means you're just keeping them for the purpose of you know deferring payments to later on and you keep your fingers crossed that maybe you can get something out of that player you know Michael Thomas when he's played has been productive the problem is he's played like 10 games in the last couple of years um, but that's the issue for the Saints. If the Saints wanted to cut away their roster, let, let's just say they didn't sign Derek Carr and that they just said, okay, it's time for us to just rip the Band-Aid off and just, you know, trade Cam Jordan and, uh, you know, cut Winston and cut Kamara and, you know, cut all these guys. They couldn't do it they would not be able to be salary cap compliant and field a 53-man roster if they did that. So the only thing they can do is to continue to restructure these deals and just wait until you get to the point where the salary cap is high enough to where then you can finally, when these contracts start voiding out, um, you know, that you can start getting rid of these guys. Um, you know, so anyway, what Pete mentions here, uh, you know, had imagined with the void years hitting at the same time and the extensive restructures, they can't shed the players without eating too much cap. Yeah, and that that's basically um, what it is. Uh, let's see. I'm just seeing if there's anything from before. Nope, that was not for that. Um, all right, I know there was one or two others, but uh, I'm going to miss some stuff here. Um, uh, this is about Darius Slay. I answered that already, though. 
I actually caught up on a couple of emails. I know there's a lot that I'm still not caught up on, but I did actually catch up on a bunch of emails for a change today. All right, I don't see anything else here. I, I know there's probably another one or two, but I'm not going to worry about it. So let's, um, all right, so let's go to this. Okay. Cole Young, <laughs> what are the Titans trying to do? If you want money, cut Tannehill. He isn't the answer. Why cut your only consistent best player? It just doesn't make sense. So I think this is about the safety, the issues going on there. Um, you know, the, the Titans are trying to, you know, just cut apart the roster, you know. This is called the same thing we just talked about, hitting that emergency reset. The reason that you're not cutting Tannehill, um, you are keeping your fingers crossed that Aaron Rodgers falls through for the Jets. You are keeping your fingers crossed that some starting quarterback in the league goes down with an injury in August. And you can step in and you can send Tannehill to that team. The risk that you have with the the holding on to Tannehill into training camp through workouts is if he gets hurt, um, you know, doing any football related stuff in the off season, you're on the hook then for his twenty seven million dollar salary. Uh, that's actually probably something I should have brought up with Aaron Rodgers as well. You know, if you are the Packers, and now I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers showing up to workouts, but Aaron Rodgers shows up to workouts for some reason and he gets injured, you're on the hook for almost $60 million. If you let this thing drag out until the beginning of training camp and Aaron Rodgers shows up and on the first day slips and breaks a leg, you're on the hook for close to $60 million. So that, that is the one risk when you, you kind of hold on to these guys. If you don't manage it to the point where they're not actually doing anything, um, you can kind of screw yourself over. But I, I think that's really what their thought process is here. And at the very least, you just wait until post-June 1, and then you see what you can do. You know, it might even be just waiting until the draft, but that's what it is. Uh, Craig, what do you think of the Chris Lindstrom and Gary deals for the Falcons? Big money for Lindstrom. I haven't seen the breakdown on that deal yet. Um, you know, obviously that is, um, you know, going to be very high. It sounded like it was above Nelson, but I, I don't, I don't think I had the details on it. They might be out there, and I may have just missed it. You know, I've been so. So into doing a million other things with this stuff, um, yeah, I, I don't have them here, so I, I can't, I can't really do it. So let, let's wait until I get those numbers, which again might be out there that I just don't have. Um, but we'll see uh, when that comes in. We'll do some talk about that and the the other deal I, I mentioned before. I thought that was pretty good. Stevie heard the Jets are rumored to be interested in Adam Thielen. Did you buy it? Um, no, I, I man, I can't see that. He's old, plays indoors. Like, I, I I, wouldn't get that one at all. You know, you, you brought in Lazard. You've still got, for the time being, Elijah Moore. Um, you know, and obviously Wilson is your, your A-level player. Um, you know, I, I'd rather kick the tires on Odell Beckham, you know, as long as he came cheap, you know, than doing Thielen. 
Um, any other candidates, the Jets could get at a lower level money who are ring chasing. Now, it would depend, you know, um, you know, would the Jets be willing to swap out like uh, C.J. Mosley and bring in Bobby Wagner? Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm just, you know, that that's just the name of someone that, you know, I would think would be interested, obviously, in, um, you know, getting another ring. You know, if you look at how things went last year, um, you know, with him going to the Rams, uh, you know, other players, let's see. All right. Um, let me look up unrestricteds. Uh, let's see. Ring chasers. <laughs> Bringing clowny. That's not ring chasing. He's just going to chase a paycheck. Um, yeah, I'm not really seeing anybody out there. I mean, do you want Julio Jones? Uh, God, the Chets are going to have Mercedes Lewis on the team, aren't they? Ooh, just looking at that. Guy's career is amazing that it's lasted as long as it has. Um, now, I, I don't see anybody here um, that I'm really looking through that stands out in any way, shape, or form. You know, where you would be like, oh, okay, yeah, that that that's that like makes a lot of sense to bring that guy in. Um, you know, the tackle from the Titans, he's always hurt. I mean, maybe. Yeah, Frank Clark is a no. He would have stayed in Kansas City if he was going to do that. No, I'm, I'm just not seeing anybody that really stands out. Wagner would be the guy. Uh, Eddie, 60-second explanation of void years. So void years are basically uh, contract seasons that they, they put in there um, that you need to... You, basically, what you can't afford the signing bonus all in year one. So you add some fake years in the contract, and the years cancel themselves out by simply meeting a roster condition. Um, you're on the roster... On the, um, I don't know, 23rd day before the start of the league year. And that means the rest of the years in your contract terminate. So basically, it's just a way to dump prorated money from a signing bonus into years that don't exist. So all it means is that you're deferring part of your cap charges from your signing bonus um, into dead money in the future. Uh, you often talk about teams overpaying for less vital positions like running back, linebacker, safety, and tight end. What are the highest contracts at each position that you think are a good value? That's a good question. Um, so, all right, let's just take a look here. So if we're looking at players who signed as unrestricted free agents, um, you know, I, I would say good value at running back would be someone like a... Uh, 
you know, Jamal Williams at $4 million. Like, a, a player at $4 million is probably a good deal um, for that. Tight end, uh, again, if we look at UFAs, um, man, none of these are good deals. It's just a weird position. Like, you're better off just drafting somebody probably late. Um You know, I, I wouldn't spend on the position probably more than seven. But I can't say these are good deals either. Yeah, I mean, Everett at six isn't bad, but I mean, he's not great. I mean, the Jaseki deal at four five looks terrific. Um, yeah, none of these deals really stand out as being good, though. Um Let's see. What are the other positions you mentioned there? Linebacker and safety. Uh, linebacker. See, if I am drafting all the right positions, I don't mind spending up at linebacker. You know, it's like the purpose of drafting those expensive positions is you can spend up then on these other positions. Uh, you know, in, in terms of value... You know, I, I would probably say the guy's right around that $10 million level, $8 million. That, that's probably the value in the linebackers. But I don't mind spending the 17 or 18 or 15 or whatever um, as long as I'm, I'm meeting, you know, my needs in the draft on all those other expensive positions. But most teams don't do that. Uh, safety, the other position... Um, I would not spend more than the eight million that you spend on like the the Tracy Walker, Rayshon Jenkins kind of type of players. Um, I think that that sweet spot in the market for that position at the moment is between like six and nine. So I, I think that's the that's the area that I would be in. Uh, Stevie, how do you get into salary cap management expertise? Uh, I don't know. I just I'm a football fan and I like numbers. So, uh, you know, um, I just kind of got into it from that. You know, as a Jets fan, I kind of just enjoyed writing about it. And at the time, there really wasn't anybody else writing about it. You know, I always say this. One of these days, I need to do just a whole podcast episode on doing this stuff. But... Um, you know, basically, there were we had a group of people. Um, you know, still guys who do it. You know, uh, Miguel from Pat's Cap was probably the first. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Uh, I might just be guessing. Was probably the first to have a website at the very least that had like a couple of charts. You know, that would be on there. Um, I thought when I did the OTC, uh, the Jets Cap site. It was the first one that really started to get into the concept of doing like player pages and, you know, really kind of more in-depth kind of breakdowns on stuff. And then while I wrote a lot about the just the Jets as a team, you know, here and there, and by a lot, I would, I mean, once a week, once every two weeks, something like that, uh, you know, once a week during the season, you know, pregame, postgame kind of writing, Um I was definitely the first to start writing about 
specifically, I think the NFL contract and salary cap side of stuff. Because this is before like Joel Corey was doing that kind of writing, and Andrew Brandt had moved on from the football side to this side. So I was the only guy doing it, whether it was right or wrong. I was the only one doing it, or at least doing it on a, a little bit of a bigger platform versus writing on message boards, um, you know, and, and doing those kind of things, you know, it, that got attention of different people that worked um, covering the Jets, for example. And then later on when I did the AFC East, where it was covering, you know, those kind of things, um, you know, even, you know, there, there's the other website that does the contract stuff, you know, whatever with them. You know, we, we had a very different approach. It's very specific to football, and we did a lot of writing about football. They don't. Um, you know, they, they do their own podcast. I've never listened to it. Uh, I just know from the stuff that goes online, like, it's not really an understanding of the rules. Like, they, they pick up on stuff. It's not like they don't, same way that I did. Um, but really, it was just writing about it and just kind of picking up stuff here and there and uh, getting to it. Uh, feel this up your alley. Six Sigma, any thoughts on it? Medical device wrap. We just got white and yellow belts. Um, so I know a lot about it. Uh, you know, obviously it's, it, you know, matches with a lot of stuff that you do. Where you're, you know, you're, you're getting into, um, you know, statistical process methods and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, obviously the whole Six Sigma thing used to be gigantic. I think it's still pretty big in a lot of different industries. Um, I, I just think that the... I think the concept of that stuff is is probably branched out a lot more that maybe you don't need as much to do the, uh, you know, the different certs on it. Um, but, you know, I, I think all that stuff where, where you get into any kind of, um, you know, process controls and that kind of stuff is good. And obviously that all fits with this. It works. Any kind of field that you're doing, I mean, that that's there's use for that. Uh, Sean, where are your podcasts located? I love to listen. Um, I guess I need to reply to that one since he wouldn't be listening here. Uh, <laughs> Alec says, uh, what do you think of the Falcon spending spree? Uh, spree? Um, I'm not really in big favor of it. Uh, I, I I don't know. You know, they're... Oh, gosh. How, how do you put it? Um has the team gotten better? Yeah, even though there's a lot of questions, obviously, quarterback. Has the team done stuff that, you know, is right for the long term? Man, I don't know. It's not like there's a big long term in the NFL. Like, I don't mind them spending $16 million on Bates. Is that going to move the needle? 12 on a D tackle, is that going to move the needle? 7 million on Heineke, is that going to move the needle? No. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. It's a. The guys that they brought back on their line, I think is fine. I, I just don't see any kind of vision for like a. I don't know, anything long term really with what they did here. It's just kind of getting guys they're familiar with and bringing them in and being like, okay, you're a Falcon.
Uh, Calvin, regardless of your opinion on Saints cap management, can you please explain it to everyone so they can stop whining about how the team cheats? It's not even that hard with a spreadsheet, and I'm sure theirs is better than mine. So, yeah. So th this is one of the things that kind of bugs me with... And th this applies to every team. And I like Kai. I'm not taking anything away from him. Uh, Kai, he's a great guy, if you ever get a chance to meet him or anything. Um, getting salary cap compliant in the NFL is not difficult. Um... You know, taking salary, converting it to a bonus, and prorating it out is not difficult whatsoever. Um, it's very easy to do. What the Saints do, anybody can do. All right? Now, you have to sign contracts initially. You know, like I mentioned, Derek Carr. I think that's a very good deal. That That's a different skill set. But once the contracts are in place, it's not a magic wand that's being waved that's making cap charges go away so they can keep spending. It's just very easy that you take salary, convert it to a bonus, divide that number by five, and defer those numbers to future years. So in the current year, you're basically saving four-fifths by doing that. It's the simplest thing in the world to do. You, you get into the opinion on the management, which is, well, what does this mean for your roster? That's a whole different story. But just in terms of creating the cap space, anybody can do it. That's not a hard thing. Aaron, what are your thoughts on the way the Browns structured their free agent signings? Teams have uh, sporadically started using void years, spread the cap hit, but it seems like going all in on the idea. Do you think this could lead to an imbalance in future years between teams? Um, I don't think so, only because... You don't have enough veteran players in the NFL to where it really becomes an issue unless you're you're in a category like the Saints, okay? The other teams have done it in a way. Uh, the Eagles, the Eagles are really the other team that gets trapped on this stuff. The Eagles have done it in a way to where it's always going to kind of be staggered, like even if all these guys hit. Um, the Browns, I think, would be in that same category. But I, I could understand when looking at some of the numbers on those deals with the, the double option bonus structure, which is what they've gone to now. So double option essentially means you you need five years to prorate your signing bonus, a sixth year so you can prorate your first option bonus to the max level, and then a seventh year so you can prorate that final one. So you, you might be talking about a lot of contracts that have four void years in them. Is that excessive? Yeah, it probably is. But um, I don't think it's at the point where it, it's going to lead to a big imbalance because you still have other teams that are just signing naturally bad contracts. So even though we, we can look at void years as kind of deferring money to the future, I would say this about the Buccaneers all the time. The Buccaneers were a team that went in the opposite direction for a little while. They used no signing bonuses. And they still don't, but they prorate money now like crazy. Um, when you do those deals, and you're like, well, we had no dead money on our team. Your dead money was buried in the contracts. Like, if you were still cutting the guy after two years, that didn't mean those were good deals. It just meant that it escaped the scrutiny 
because the dead money on it was zero. Those players still sucked. So all, all you did was bury your dead money. It, it was hidden within the regular salary cap charges. Uh, Humbaba, what happens if a franchise tech player gets injured early in the season and subsequently is out for the whole year? How does it impact cash for the player and cap for the team? Um, if he is hurt doing something for the team, that thing is guaranteed. If he signs it, it's all guaranteed. So, you know, a, as long as he's hurt doing something football-related, I mean, he, he's going to get his salary. Titans therapy. Could the Titans realistically trade for Lamar Jackson based off their salary cap and eventual massive extension for Jeffrey Simmons? No, there, there's no offer they could make um, that the the Ravens wouldn't match unless it was just an absurd offer. Like they they would offer Lamar Jackson a contract that was eight years in length and a billion dollars. I mean, there, there's just nothing they could offer that they wouldn't match. Best fits for Fournette. Uh, unemployment line. He's done. I, I have no idea who's going to take him. Timothy, what's a realistic deal for Odell look like? I think a realistic deal for Odell Beckham at this point is probably three to five million dollars um, with maybe half of it, two thirds of it guaranteed, the rest tied to per game bonuses and a ridiculous amount of incentives that can get him up to whatever crazy number he's chasing per year. Gregory, one of the issues that keeps coming up in the Rodgers trade is a 59-5 million bonus due. Rodgers said in the Pat McAfee season, uh, after the season, he realized his contract needs to be fixed, whether on Green Bay or elsewhere. Why don't they fix it now? I have no idea what he meant by that. Like, unless he's going to take a pay cut, what is there to fix? There's nothing that's going to make the Jets cap better if they trade for him. There's nothing that's going to make the Packers cap better this year, really, if they keep him. So I I don't know what he's talking about. There's nothing that can be done with this deal to turn money into a bonus, to prorate it out. Like, this is the lowest his cap charges could possibly be. So, you know, I, I don't I don't know what he was talking about there. You know, that, that ball to me is, is in his court to say, okay, I'll take a pay cut. You know. KC Sports, when will the cap explode with the new TV deal? Uh, I would anticipate a big jump next year. So you're going to get next year two, two things rolled into one. You're going to get the TV money that comes in next year, plus you're going to get the cap, which is still deflated because of COVID, would have had that natural bounce back because the COVID money has been repaid. So you're going to get two things that hit at once and you'll probably get a monstrous jump and that's going to make people think that the cap is going to jump like that every year, but it's probably not going to. Fred, what teams have the cap room for Brady if he comes back? Anybody has cap room for Brady. Brady will do deals that just make it fit. If he wants to play football, he'll make it work. Any idea how much room on the cap the Eagles still have after the Slay, Cox, Greedy, and Mariota signings? No, I don't. Um, I am... I don't have the uh, the the numbers for enough of those deals to say where they're at, um, but they don't have a lot of space. They they were one of the least flexible teams this year. Who can the Raiders realistically target on defense? Um, man, I don't know. I, I, the Raiders need, as you said, a lot of players on defense. Um, you know they they've obviously signed a couple guys already. Um, you know, if you just want to look at defensive players, I'm just going to pull up names. 
you know, see who's available. I mean, I wouldn't want Bud Dupree. Um, you know, you're not going to get Wagner, I don't think. Uh, you don't want a 30-year-old. Just looking for guys who are younger. Uh, Tranquil just signed. Scott just signed. I mean, they got Epps. I mean, he, I, I think, you know, that's a decent signing for him. Yeah, there's not a lot out there. Hey, you could you want to take a flyer on someone like a Marcus Peters? He's old. I don't know. Gardner Johnson. You already had your run, I think, with Ngakwe. Um It's just not a good year. Just look at I'm just trying to find guys who are younger. It's like Everything's coming out like Anthony Barr. Like, that's not the players you want to be signing. Mike Hughes. There's just not a lot out there. Uh, what's the best way to structure multi-year contracts to front load them? Thinking specifically about teams that have cap space but will need in future years like the Bengals. Um, you know, I, I think the best approach you can do, and this is what Chicago has done this offseason, is... You do a moderate signing bonus, and you do a bigger kind of roster bonus. Uh, excuse me, in that first year, so you're kind of you're maximizing the hit, but you're not taking some ridiculous number in the first year. So that's probably the way that I would look at it: is you do a signing bonus and a roster bonus together. Um, you know, to to get the cash flow numbers to work for the players. Um, you know, and you kind of you make sure that you're taking enough in those first two years to where you're still giving yourself flexibility, you know, to maximize your cap room, uh, but you're not going to knock yourself out with dead money in the future. Proud Black Matt, does it look like the Pats are even trying to win in 2023? Yeah, I guess so. You know, they're doing what they do. Uh, what's happening with void years if the player signs an extension? Dak has a 25 void charge in 2025. Does any new signing bonus get prorated on top of that? So it wouldn't be prorated on what I have as the... Uh, let me, well, hold on. Let me let me just look up Dak's numbers. I'm just thinking that's what it is, the void number is. Yeah, so actually, no. Uh, you're correct on that. So yeah, it gets tacked right on top. So if Prescott signs an extension, the $25.455 million that's in 2025... And the 11.005 million that's in 2026, those all stay in place. Uh, but what you don't get is the acceleration. Like right now, what I'm showing is Dak's uh, cap charge in 2025 would be 30.646 million. Uh, I'm sorry, 36.46 million. Um, the just the 25 would stay in place, plus whatever P5 is given, and whatever the new proration is. So if you got like a 40 million dollar signing bonus on a five-year whatever, you would add $8 million to that prorated bonus column that's in there from that bonus. So it it just stays in there as if the contract is still running. Given the Aaron Rodgers contract structure, it's fair to say the Jets are all in for 2023, so surely it makes sense to delay trade compensation past the draft and only agree if the 2023 picks are a third or lower. Jets first rounder in 24, also likely lower than 13. Yep, that's what I mentioned before. Uh, I think that's line of thinking for both sides in this one uh let's see let's see um 
Zeeb64, you mentioned that Tyron Smith contract was one of your favorites. Could you go into detail about what was so special about it besides its longevity? What caused it to last so much longer than any of its contemporaries, and why don't we see more contracts like it? It was one of the greatest team contracts that you could ever imagine. And it gets into the concept of signing guys for a long period of time. When this deal was done, way back when, I remember saying about it, like, this deal is awesome for the Dallas Cowboys. They took a deal that was barely at the top of the market. I don't even remember if it was top of the market at that time. $12.2 million a year with 22 full, 40 million uh, injury protected. So let, let's call it 40 million full. Um, only a $10 million signing bonus at the time. And it was going to run for eight new years. So you were talking about a 10-year contract? Nine-year contract, right? Let me just see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. It was going to run 10 years total. Sorry. Um, yeah, 10 years total. And only 12-2 a year. So you don't even have to get far in that deal to where you know he's going to be underpaid. Like, just for starting. Like, even if his play declines, you know that's going to be the case. Now, obviously, the back end of it, he's been hurt a lot. But it doesn't matter. It's still 12-2. It's not 20. It's not 25. You know, th this this was one of the great... um one of the great jobs of all time. You know, Dallas gets picked on for a lot of stuff. This was one of the best contracts signed in modern NFL history. You know, it was just just such a great deal. You know, when I mentioned about it, there was not another contract in the NFL. Um. That was, you know, this one was signed in 2014. The next oldest contract was 2018. So, I mean, you, you are talking about a special deal here. He, he never should have taken this contract. Never, ever, 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 ever. Took it, and you never heard a peep, though. This wasn't like Hunter in Minnesota that took a deal where you scratch your head and everyone's like, oh, well, they just love being on the team. You just don't know. They just love it. They don't care about the money. In this case, it was absolutely true. Never heard a peep out of them. All right, Jason. Uh, Seahawks defensive overhaul, cap ramifications, and overall outlook. Um, we'll get into team-specific stuff next week. I'm, I'm too far into it to uh, do that right now. Uh, overhaul O-line. Go over potential Lamar teams and Ravens capability of matching. Ravens can match anything at this point, I think. I think the only team that could do something would be the Colts. Um, I haven't looked at these specific numbers on it. Uh, you know, since they, they did have a couple of pay cuts there for Gus Edwards and um, Pierce, I think it was. Uh, they cut Campbell, which I thought they would do. Uh, I'm pretty sure that if you got to about, you would need you would need Jackson to have a cap charge this year of probably eighty to eighty five million dollars, and a cap charge the following year would have to be at least half of that. So you know forty, forty five, fifty. 
Um, that is probably an offer that the Ravens couldn't match. I think even still, that would be a offer they couldn't match. But um, I think the Colts might be the only team that can uh, that can get there. Uh, with the Raven, with the first wave of free agency over, what teams offer Lamar, and what is the Ravens' cap to match? So I, I just I can't come up with a team because I don't think the Colts would do it because the Colts are kind of cheap. Um, I can't come up with a team that can make it work. I, I thought the Falcons would have been the only team that really would have gone after it. I, I just can't come up with a team. You know, the the Patriots aren't going to do it. I don't think so. You know, you're, you're just looking at teams with cap room. Um, you know, obviously, you're, you're looking at teams that can create a bunch of cap room as well. Uh, but just in general, I mean, you look at it like the Packers aren't going to, they're not going to be there. The Cardinals, Dallas, the Colts right now have 20. The Raiders just signed a quarterback. The Bengals have a quarterback. The Saints have a quarterback. The Lions aren't going to do that. Steelers aren't going to do it. Um, nor do they have the flexibility. Panthers, Seahawks, Chargers. So, I, I mean, you just, you don't have teams with cap space. I mean, the Falcons have 35, but they would need to get into the 80s. So, I, I just don't see a team that can do that. I mean, can the, let, let me look up our restructure potential. Let me see if there's a possibility that the Falcons, maybe I'm shortchanging them. Uh, let's see, simple restructures. All right, max restructures. All right, so these are the teams that I have that can still get there. The Bears, who you know are not doing it. The Bengals, who you know are not doing it. The Falcons can get up to about 94. So maybe there's still an outside possibility. I'd say unlikely. Uh, Colts could get to 94. Now, remember, this just restructures, so this doesn't mean cutting anybody. If, they, if the teams have players that can get cut, that changes it. But the, Fal the Falcons number doesn't include um, the extension they just did, and nor does it include the Bates number. So the Falcons number is probably lower than what I'm saying here. Uh, so the Colts can probably get there. That's it. I mean, the Jets could get to 85, and they could probably, maybe there's a couple other guys they could cut that would get it a little bit higher. I still think that would be a real outside possibility. I don't know if you could function. Um, so I think the Colts are the only team that's left. I, I, I really do. Uh, how good is Elijah Moore? What would it take to acquire him if made available? How good can a wide receiver be with a bad quarterback? Has he shown enough? Uh, shoes 54. Um, I have no idea about Elijah Moore. Right now, I would say he's just a guy. Um, you know, he, he's had a, some moments here and there. Right now, I would not put Elijah Moore in as a number one. Uh, I don't think I would even consider him at the moment a low two. Um, that potential might be there, but I don't think that he's he's shown that um, yet. So I, I don't I don't know what it would take to acquire him. I, I would guess 
I would guess the Jets would only trade him if they could get their original pick back for him, so you'd have to offer a two for him. But I don't think, based on the body of work, that you would offer a two. Um, so I, I don't think that's the case. Um, so I don't know. You know, how good can a wide receiver be with a bad quarterback? I mean, that, that that's a good question. But, I mean, that there are receivers who have done well with lousy quarterback play. Um, you know, lousy quarterback play, if you're a good receiver, you probably still can put up a bunch of yards, even if your quarterback play isn't great. Um, the issues that happen with the quarterback play are more things like, you know, you're not going to convert those third downs. You know, you're not going to sustain drives. You, your drives are going to die in the red zone. Um but as an individual talent, you can probably get open enough to where you can still be productive. Maybe you're not hyper productive, but you could still probably be productive even with lousy quarterback play. Um, you know, just based on how good you might be. So, you know, I, I don't think his lack of stats is specifically just because of um, Wilson. Bobby, with the rise in cap, it seems more teams are signing deals with the void years. Do you see teams budgeting more to dead cap than ever before? Um, well, yeah, that it, it's definitely more than ever before. That That is absolutely the case. Um, but I think it's all COVID-related. And I think teams are still riding out what they did because of COVID. And maybe they're going to see if it's going to become the norm. At some point, you know, even though we can say, okay, well, we're planning for a salary cap rise. Remember, everything is kind of, it's all related, right? It's all, it's like, okay, you know, the Saints are going to be salary cap compliant. They might actually be over whatever my projection is. But, you know, the Saints will be fine once TV money kicks in. Yes, they might be fine in the sense that, okay, now they can start cutting players. Relative to the rest of the league, they're still in a bad position, right? Everybody is going to get a bump. And eventually what will happen, and it's not going to happen overnight, but what will happen within one to two years is the salaries will rise accordingly. So even though you might be dumping all this dead money in 2024, 2025, by 2026, salaries are going to rise so much um, that whatever advantages you think exist from the TV money jumping up aren't really going to exist anymore. Um, so, you know, I, but I think right now teams are still doing it because they're impacted by the COVID stuff more than anything else. Brian, do you support any of the rule changes that were proposed earlier this month? I didn't even read over most of them. Um, just too busy with free agency. I am in favor of an emergency quarterback rule just because more teams should be rostering quarterbacks. Uh, but beyond that, you know, I don't know. Uh, are the Browns already functionally married to a Watson extension based on restructures alone? No, probably not yet. Um, one more restructure and the answer is probably yes. But for right now, I would say no. Oh, Nelly, you have a fan club. <laughs> so we have a Nelly the Bunny fan club. I love that. Uh, 49 assigned Hargrave to a huge deal and did a couple of significant contract restructures. They're facing cap issues in the years to come. Um, I can't say that they, they necessarily are, but, 
you know, they, and they have really good people who run that stuff. So I, I'm sure they have these things all, you know, mapped out. But, you know, right now where they are in 2024, I have them as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth worst in the league. Um, in terms of effective, yeah, probably about the same. 2025, I have them second worst in the league. No, third. Sorry, third in the league. Uh, so, you know, I, yeah, I, I think they're at a position, um, especially when you consider they don't have a quarterback salary on the books. You know, they're going to have some tough decisions that they have to make in the uh, in the next year or two. I mean, they, they made some all-in kind of moves this year, and they're probably going to have some extensions that they're going to have to do as well. I don't know. It, it's not the uh, not the best, I, I don't think at least, I, I don't think it's the best offseason for them. Um, but I, I don't think they'll go into a, a cap hell mode. I, I think the guys are too smart for that. But I, I don't know. I, I'm, I just don't like some of the stuff they did. Garrett, thoughts about the Jets getting Rodgers once it goes through? Is this the best option for the Jets? Better than Lamar? So it is not better. It's not a better option than Lamar Jackson. Um, but it's a more realistic option, I think, than Lamar Jackson. So I, I think that's the way that I would look at it. And, you know, I mentioned I, I'm excited for it if it happens. Because, you know, it makes you relevant. It gives you an opportunity. Look, I'm not looking to stay up on, you know, watching Sunday night football. Uh, but the Jets don't get primetime attention. You're going to get the Jets in primetime if you, you get this guy. Uh, can the team sign Lamar to an offer sheet the week of the draft? Or will the draft picks being in limbo disallow that? So they are allowed to do that. I forget what the cutoff is. I don't know it's two days before the draft, three days. There is a cutoff date um, to where the compensation occurs this year or the compensation occurs next year. Uh, I forget what that date is. Um, basically, the, the way the rules work is if the picks are for this year, I think you you have to do it with enough notice, um, I guess, to where the team can really weigh that decision. They have enough time to do it. I don't know if it's two days before the draft. I, I forget exactly what it is. It's a couple days before the draft. There's a cutoff, I think, and then they move it to the next year. But basically, it's so they have enough time to evaluate all options before matching it. Uh, Native Son, curious what the exclusive tag will be next season for quarterbacks based on restructures or too early to know. Um, it's probably too early, but let's just, I'll take a quick look. Let's see. Um, positions, quarterback, 2024. Let me see what players are in it, and I'll tell you if it's realistic to look at. So we got Watson, Prescott, Murray, Stafford, and Allen. And one of the things that we saw here is they did, in fact, kind of try to screw over the Ravens. Um, they didn't do the restructures in the time frame. Um, so right now, the exclusive tag for next year, I'm not pulling the workouts out of this because I'm too, I'm not going to look that up, would be about 54, you know, 53, 54. Um 
some of those deals might get reworked. Uh, but, you know, it's probably going to be in that 50 million kind of price range. Let's see here. Uh, leverage when it comes to Rodgers is from Vin. Uh, can the Packers really afford to wait? Is the draft the true deadline or training camp if they don't trade him and he doesn't retire? What are the ramifications for them this year or next? Can they force him to stay away? They can't force him to stay away. Um, you can look at that video that I did for the details on the ramifications of it, but basically it means they have another $60 million to account for. Uh, of that $60 million, just a fifth will count in this year. The rest would be dead money in the future. Um I think the deadline is probably training camp. Um, the reason I say that is because of the injury factor and the fact that you you, you don't want to, if you really don't want to play him, you don't want him showing up to camp with the circus that's going to come with that. Um, you know, so I, I think that would be the thing. You know, you would say workouts, but I just don't anticipate him going there. So I don't think there's any chance he gets hurt during that. How important, how important is a team's budget when de determining year one cap hits? Does the hit tell us about the budget? Not really. Um, you know, the, the cap hit is more about how they, how they can account for things. Um, I think more than the actual budget itself. You know, if I can pay a guy 10 million bucks, I can pay him 10 million bucks. It's, uh, you know is what it is, and I can decide from there how I'm going to structure the deal. I, I would say the structure of the contract is probably based more on what your current outlook is during free agency and what kind of flexibility you want to have that year. Flip, best 2023 free agent contract. I, I Well, okay, so it's not a... I think this is the problem. It's not a... People are going to tell me, oh, it's not a free agent contract. It's the Geno Smith deal. Um... You know that that's your that's your best deal that was signed this off season. Um, if I if I'm taking that one out, and I'm looking at players who did not resign, you know, somebody who switched. I like that Jacecki deal with the Patriots, but that's only one year. Thornhill's deal with the Browns, I think, could be pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably where I would go, you know, with it. Uh, but I, I would say the Geno Smith deal. I think the fact that he signed, re-signed with his team, I don't think should, you know, take that out of it. Uh, best free agency... Oh, I don't know. I think the Bears have had a decent free agency. I think the... Mm, you know, the Broncos have done some stuff that's good. They also did that stupid backup quarterback contract. Uh, you know, those teams have all done okay. Uh, worst? I'd have to give that some thought. You know, because there, there's two ways to look at it. There's the teams that haven't done anything. You start to say, well, why aren't the Titans doing anything? Why aren't the Cowboys doing anything? Where? And I know they traded for Gilmore. Um, you know, I, I I don't like what the 49ers have done. Um, 
I'm probably in the minority on that, but I, I would I would say if I if I was going to choose some teams where I would just like eh, not crazy about it, 49ers and Giants would probably be the two um, that I would do there. Uh, why do you think Rankin's got an odd contract, void years, and not guaranteed years? Uh, it's the Texans, right? He that's where he signed with. Um, so I mean, anything that's uh, anything that's Texans related these days is just uh, always a question mark. Um, were you surprised about how small of a contract Dean and Bradbury took? Uh, I don't even know Bradbury's numbers off the top of my head. Um, no, I'm not surprised on either of them. Um, you know, I, I didn't expect corner to be a big position this year. All right. Running out of beer here. I think we've got one left upstairs. All right. Uh, let's see. Did I get... Ugh. Another 16. I should have never asked for more questions. Um, all right, well, this will do it. And I think I'm going to finish it on this uh, this drink here. All right, Steve, did the Jets make a mistake in letting Mike White go? No, I, I don't think they did. You know, they, I think because he got hurt so often, and I think the change in offensive coordinator, um, you know, I, I don't think that was an issue at that point, I, I think it's uh, it's time to move on from that. What are the scenarios in the Arizona's cap on a trade and draft compensation? I'm assuming this is, since there's a picture of uh, Kyler Murray, I'm assuming this is um, about that? No. Okay, it's about DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, um, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins, I think that at this point they're probably at a two is what they're looking for. I think you would probably get a three. Uh, what did Julio Jones go for? Let's see. It was a two and a four. So I I don't think you're going to get a two because it's a it's basically a salary dump. So you know I, I I think you're probably looking at a three. Is what you would get. Uh, Patrick Page, why does NFL draft bites hates the Giants? I cannot give you that answer. Olives, yes or no? Um, hmm. Depends on what I'm eating. So my wife is a big eater of olives. I'm always buying olives that uh, she likes. And my grandmother used to always tell me I needed to uh, get some olives in me. I have no idea why. Um, I would lean more towards a no, but there are certain certain things that I don't uh, mind olives on. But uh, I would lean towards a no on that. Why haven't Tennessee's signings been announced? Um, what signings? No, it, it, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure they've signed a couple of players. I, I don't think I have too much we have either on it. Um, it takes some time. You know, you bring the guys in first for a physical, um, you know, you, you hammer out the contract language. So at times there is a process involved with that. So if they've actually signed some guys that haven't been made official yet, that's probably what it is. Uh, how much how much space would a Chris Jones extension give the Chiefs? Um, 
Let's see. So I had mentioned that as a possibility, and I think that's one of the reasons why he hasn't been restructured. Uh, it also makes it easier then to you know put that money into the current guarantee. Let's take a look at Jones's deal. So he's got seven prorated. They would kick out the LTBE. Um, 19.5 on his base. Yeah, you figure he'd probably get something like 40 this year? I don't know. What, what, how much would they give him? Let's see. Let me see what Payne got. Oh. Defense. Defensive tackles. Yeah, so Payne is at 31. And he's got 20 baked in. He probably gets something like forty this year. Um, you know, if he did a thirty to sign, um, let's see, what would that do for him? You know, if I I don't know if they'd really even want to max this out. You'd add another six, the base of one. Let's call that. Now let's just dump it up to eight. They'd have some other stuff that's in there. Um, so I think you'd probably create about ten or eleven million in cap room. I think it's what you would end up with on a what I would imagine would be an extension. Um, so about around that. Chris, uh, can Green Bay trade Rodgers before June 1st and still designate him a post-June 1 trade? No. There is no such thing as a designation on a trade. They should have that rule. They don't. Um, but no, they, they can't do that. With the way teams can manipulate contracts, the spreading Rodgers cap it across two years even matter? Um, I, I think it matters for the Packers in a trade. It doesn't. There, there's nothing that matters for the Jets in terms of doing anything. How are the Vikings able to sign players? Is they're blatantly over the cap? So they're not over the cap at the moment. Uh, I might show them being over the cap, but that's only because they've agreed to terms with players um, who they haven't actually officially signed. So in our cap numbers, we're showing, you know, players who aren't signed yet. You know, we're showing the terms that we've heard that they've agreed to. So, you know, Harrison Smith, for example, took a pay cut, uh, today or yesterday I don't know those numbers so I still have him on there at 19 million that number's probably closer to like 12 so you know that puts you under right then and there they um, you know there, there's players they may have restructured that I'm not aware of so you know it, that that's really what it boils down to is um, the information that we've been able to track down um, versus maybe what we haven't been able to track down just yet, but they don't have a lot of cap room. Um, you know, they're they're just kind of skating by. That they're another team I would say that has actually had probably a bad off season because they're a team that you know a couple of, a couple of days ago. I'm sorry, my son has really walloped this chair. Like I do have another one that I'm getting, but. Uh, you know, they, they're another one where, you know, a couple of days ago, it's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're finally making the cuts they should have made the year before. And then you just see, like, okay, I'll double down on Kirk. It's like, either extend the guy or trade him. Like, what are you doing? You know, with some of the things there. 
And it's like, you know, they cut Adam Thielen. It's like, okay, that's the right idea. Bring back Harrison Smith. It's like, I don't know. You know, long term, it's not the right play. I'm, I'm telling you that. You know, short term, it doesn't work out. Maybe. I don't know. Brian, is Woody uh, Johnson the main reason behind the Jets pursuing Rodgers or Douglas and Saul 100% behind it too? I don't think they're negative on it, but Woody is definitely the guy pursuing it. I mean, the, this this is not a uh, Joe Douglas move. This is a Woody Johnson move. Uh, with the what the Vikings did with Cousins and Smith contract this week, is that something the teams need to discuss with them before they do it, or can you go over with a team when the overall approval to restructure rework the deal? Overall thoughts on the Vikings moves. Um, so in Cousins' case, there's not much to it. I don't even know if they added a void year to it. Um, let me look if they did. Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah, so they did add void years. So if you're going to add voids, you have to ask the play, uh, the player. But typically you have a auto-conversion clause in there. So um, that was pretty basic on that one. And there's some teams that do have that they can add void years in there. So, I mean, maybe Cousins had that. I, I don't really know. Um, Smith's, that, that was different. That was a renegotiation of a deal. That, that, was, a, um, that was a pay cut. So that that's a that's a definite negotiation that goes on there. Uh, thoughts on the Vikings? You know, it, it's like two steps forward, two steps back. I mean that that that's that's what I feel is the Vikings right now. Uh, what teams have made moves, if any, that suggest they might be going after Lamar Jackson? The Ravens. <laughs> that's it. You know, no no team has made any kind of moves where I would say, oh, okay, they're in the market for Jackson. Did Casey overpay for Jawan Taylor in a less hot than expected tackle market? Um, moderately, but not not anything, you know, egregious. You know, I, I thought it was close enough to where I figured he would be. And when you're going after a guy kind of early in free agency, you know you're going to have to pay up. So, you know, is what it is. Um, Jake, does the $16 million uh, cousins money all hit in 2024 um so yeah so you're talking about the accelerated money that's in there i think it's 18 at this point i don't think it's 16 i think it's 18 um but no it it does not hit in each of those years it don't oh no okay i'm sorry i i read that wrong so he's talking about the conversion um, that was in there. So that money will stay. If they extend Kirk Cousins, um, I think they converted 20. So I think it's five per year. But uh, if they extend him, that five remains in the 24, 25, 26, 27 is five a year. If they do not extend him and his contract voids out, it all accelerates in and hits in 2024. So it, it all depends on what happens um, with his deal next year and his deal expires last day of the league year. So they, they have plenty of time to figure out what they want to do. Are 
Are the Bears able to roll over all the remaining cap space the next season? Are there any restrictions on it? That's from Greg. Nope, no restrictions. So, um, you know, this is one of the things that I mentioned with Chicago. Just because you have all this cap room, you know, you don't have to spend it all. Um, and I, I think that's kind of what they've done. You know, I, I think they've done a very good job in terms of, you know, taking enough cap hit this year without being crazy with it uh, and maintaining flexibility, like not just going out and signing guys for the sake of signing guys, you know, saying, all right, this is not the greatest free agent class in the world. Let's do what we can. And obviously they make the trade. They bring in DJ Moore. They sign a couple of guys. And then it's like, okay, and we still have, you know, by the end of it all, maybe they'll have 30 million in cap room by the time free agency is over. And, you know, all your draft picks and all the other stuff comes into play. Um, you know, you roll that to next year, and that gives you another opportunity to go into free agency and build your team when maybe free agency will be a better season. Uh, Samuel, just an overarching breakdown of how the Eagles are able to bring back all these veteran guys when it seemed like it was going to be a purge. I mean, they've lost a lot of guys in free agency. Um you know, they're doing deals. So, for example, Fletcher Cox already had a certain amount of money baked in. And what they did is they extended him for one year, $10 million, I think it is. And uh, basically prorated almost all. Excuse me, the $10 million. So, his cap charge only increases by a very small number over what it was before. So... Basically, what they're doing is they're taking a couple of these guys whose deals were set to void, and they're just pushing them by a year. You know, they're, they're adding money in the 2024 and 2025 seasons, um, you know, is kind of as dead money. And they're just kind of pushing it there, um, you know, ver versus uh, kind of taking the, those full hits now. So it, it would be a lot different if these were massive contracts, but they're not. They're all kind of like one-year kind of deals, uh, most of them at least so far. Um, so that, that that's how they're able to do it. All right, I think this is the last question. Uh, Momo in mom's basement for the next four years. Um, hopefully you're not in the basement for the next four years, but you know, if you are, no problem with that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Giants offseason so far? Was the Jones contract the worst one given so far this season? Did they panic tagging Barkley? Now we see the running back market isn't good. Uh, yeah, so I'm not very high on their offseason at all. Um, the Jones contract, in terms of bigger contracts given out, I would probably say it's the worst one. Um, I have to look to see if there's something I missed. I, I, obviously, I didn't like the Hargrave one at all either. Um you know, I, I would say the giant. I would say Jones is the worst one. The Denver backup quarterback one is probably the worst deal. But you know that that's a deal that's five million a year. This is a totally different category here. Um, I don't think they panic tagged Barkley. I think Barkley would have signed somewhere else. I don't think Barkley would have gotten fifteen million a year, or twelve million a year. Um, you know, he might have gotten eight, might have been ten, whatever it was. Um, they would have lost him. But uh, I, I I think the whole process was a panic. I, 
again, I, I go back to it. I would have rather franchise tag Jones and lost Barkley than bringing both back where it requires me to give Daniel Jones close to $90 million over the next two years. So, you know, that that's the way that, uh, or $80 million, whatever it worked out to be, what it was, 82 or something like that. Um you know, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm just not it, too much, too much of a concept running it back, and I'm sure they'll go sign Isaiah McKenzie in a couple of days now. Um, you know, I, I'm just not, I, I'm not feeling what they're doing. I, I don't see a long-term plan there, other than assuming that Daniel Jones somehow got it and he's good to go. Because I don't know, I, I don't know if that's really the case. All right. I think that does it for me, so I'm going to call this one a night. This is quite a long podcast, two and a half hours here in the uh, in the book. So thank you very much for listening. Um, if you made it to the end, congratulations, because uh, I wouldn't have made it to the end probably if I was listening to myself. So uh, everybody have a great week. Hopefully I'll be back next week and we'll do another one of these. Uh, hopefully not as long, but we'll see how it goes. All right, so everybody have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.